I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're gay. And his NB. Episode number 82. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His NB, where we're talking all the things that we are watching on television this week. It is a jam-packed episode that we have in store. Uh, but before we get into all the things that we have to say, let's get a few housekeeping notes out of the way first. Wherever you are listening to us, whether that is on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, and there's a whole bunch of other places out there where you can find us, um, we would love you to go leave a rating and review so that we can get into the algorithm and find more lovely listeners. We also want to hear back from you so that we know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, and what you want to hear more of from us. Uh, you can also follow us on social media platforms, all at a gay and his NB. That's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and threads where we're posting new content every day including clips from the podcast and just sort of our initial thoughts on everything that we're watching everything that comes spur of the moment to our heads an extra dose of a gay and his mb you can get on social media all at a gay and his nb and if you'd like to rep us out in the real world go to a gay and his nb dot and you can buy our lovely merch we've got a bunch of designs made by moi uh, that you can get on T-shirts, you can put them on uh, hoodies, you can put them on mugs, stickers, magnets, all sorts of stuff, whatever you like. And they have sales like all the time, so like you can find whatever you want in your price range. Go load up on Gay and MB merch. And also, uh, finally, if you have any questions for us that you would like us to answer on a future episode of the podcast, you can submit that to us uh, on the social media platforms I mentioned or at a gay and his MB at gmail.com. Uh, just leave your name, leave your question, and we may answer it on a future episode. Babe, what are we talking about this episode? I know what we're talking about, and I'm excited because this is a pretty good week of shows. Well, first, well, not first, we've got, uh, we're going to be talking about the season 11 premiere of Vanderpump Rules. I, I missed it. I, I, I don't know about you, but like, I was worried it was going to come in too quickly, but I'm like, no, I think it's the right time. Uh, yeah, I think it's about the right time. Uh, it was just like, we had so much talking about Vanderpump. Between the seasons, which we don't usually have. Yeah. Um, so this was still a lot. Um, hopefully we have a little bit more dead air between 11 and 12. I just need my brain to break I mean, for a would, second. That would require Sandoval to do less podcasts. Oh, dear God. Which I don't think is possible. I, I, I don't have to pay attention to them, though. I don't have to. <laughs> um, so in, in honor of not paying attention to it, we're going to move on. We're also going to talk about <laughs> Beverly Hills. Uh, the ladies are still in Spain. Um, we got uh, fun with ashes, <laughs> which is not a <laughs> phrase I thought I'd ever say, but here we are. Um, we are also going to be talking about Real Housewives of Miami. The ladies are in Mexico City. Um, they go to church, they make fun of poor people, you know, it's Miami <laughs> as you do, <laughs> but before we get to any of that, let's talk Potomac. Okay. Potomac for this week. I hate that we, I hate that we start off with just like a, oh, Potomac. look, it came out on Sunday. We're going in order. I know. I will say like every other show that we're talking about in this episode, I'll, I'll say quickly. I realized there's a moment where I got like very teared up in like every episode. Like it was an emotional, like gripping, you know, time in those, you know, three shows. And then this is just kind of like, here we uh, go. We're going along to get along. I guess. I guess. I'm nervous. They got to do something. Yeah. I'm nervous. The reunion's filming soon. Candace. I, I saw Candace do like some red carpet interview and she basically was like, I'm excited for it. I hope that we can come together. She's basically, and I'm like, 
I hope you, here's the thing. I'm, I'm two ways about it where it's like, yeah, I hope you come together, but I also don't think that you need to be the one to fold. <laughs> like, no, I, I agree, but I also feel like she realizes that she holds less power on this cast. Unfortunately. So she's like, if I want to stay on this show, I have to just kind of suck it up. And the people who maybe hold the most power are the ones that are taking the most advantage of it. And I think that's. And they should be the ones that leave. Yeah. God. It's it's terrible. Um, we start the episode. Oh my! It starts very like we're in a horror movie or something. Like sort of like creepy music at night. It's four a.m. But it's because Wendy and Eddie are surprising their son Carter for his birthday, like with like cupcakes and like sort of like, like creeping up into his bedroom. Absolutely not. I mean, like they did it nicely enough where it wasn't like a jump scare. Sure. I, well, okay, but there's no amount of waking me up that is not a jump scare. Sure. You, you're, you in particular. Like, yeah. But I love him going, welcome to the double digits, boy. And when he goes, why are you saying it like it's a scary movie? <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll get to it later. I actually, I, I, I turned to uh, Merlin at one point. It's like, I really love Wendy and Eddie's relationship. Honestly. They're really great. We then go to Ashley. Or no, it's at Giselle's house. And, oh God, Giselle and Ashley are getting together because they're working on their new at leisure line that they are doing called GNA. I'm not buying clothes from either of those people. I had the same reaction as Wendy. We'll get to it later. But like what of all things of all things. The only way it could have been worse is if it was Giselle and Robin. Sure. Giselle says they're professional. It's like a Lululemon meets Rihanna Savage line. It's neither. Of the, I guarantee you it's neither of those things. Like I so savagely Lulu. Sure. Or Dilulu? Maybe that's more appropriate. But, like, at least when Giselle had every hue, like, it's like makeup. Okay. Like, Giselle's a very beautiful woman. Like, beyond the fact that she dresses poorly. Look, she may not know how to dress her body, but the face card never declines. Yeah. The bitch is gorgeous. I will give her that. Um, And Ashley talks about wanting to make her own money now so without Michael. And she's like, I kind of regretted not doing that and sort of just hitching to him all the time. And I love that they show the restaurant and like all like god that was a mess like i i i had honestly forgot that the restaurant existed one of my only like well not only i i i I feel like i've shit on giselle a lot but like one of the few times like i really laughed at giselle was when she got into the fight with ashley in the restaurant she leaves and goes who's eating emu (laughs) no but she's right who is eating emu that's dumb as hell yeah there's a reason it fucking flopped yeah uh, Ashley says, you know, I think what, for the design of it, like in my leggings now, I like to put like something to like absorb and Giselle goes, you pee while you're working out. And I'm like, you both have children. Like, you know that that's what happens. It, it literally is what happens. Like, let's just like be honest about like the way that the reproductive system works and the way it changes your body. Let's not try to act like that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, we then go to Karen and she's at her home with uh, Aunt Val and cousin David. And they're discussing like the final like de- details of like the selling of the house. And like, I forgot how cute cousin David was. Oh yeah. He's yeah. He's very attractive. Um, yeah. I really, I think we talked about it before. I really loved um, Karen's um, uh, special that they gave her, like the two episode special about like her farm and her family and stuff like that. Yeah, that was really good. And so like they're discussing the things and like Karen taking it over to convert it out to this sort of like, like Airbnb kind of, not Airbnb, but like sort of like 
getaway sort of stay. Right. <laughs> Val going, I'm just saying, don't do anything freaky. <laughs> and she's like, what do you think I'm going to do freaky? Val goes, I don't want it to be like a nudist, have like a nudist camp next to me. And Karen goes, do I look like I would do a nudist camp? I may have a weed farm. <laughs> and they do the, the graphic. This is one that I like the graphic team where they do the like puff, of, like the, this <laughs> neon puff around Karen. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great. She says, I'll get your ass high. You may never know what hit you. <laughs> Look, we already have Happy Eddie on the, the cast. We don't need another weed centric. But wouldn't that make so much sense? Karen getting into all to in all of Wendy's business ventures. Oh my god! Because then she they overlap the on the candle. They overlap. Oh my god! Uh, like and well, here's the thing: the candles. I always gave Karen the pass on because she had said before that she was doing it before Wendy. Like this, she has no excuse because she knows Eddie's getting into cannabis. Right, and it's also, I still, even though Karen was in it, I still say it was shady for her not to mention it to uh, to Wendy when Wendy came to her and said, this is what I'm planning on doing. What is your advice? I guess, yeah. Um, okay, so then we go, Mia and Robin are getting together to go to this, like, salt sanctuary for the, like, haven't they done this on Potomac before? I don't remember, but it feels weird. I get it. It's a, it's a beach, in a room. Well, yeah, but where the, the walls are beach and so is the floor. <laughs> and then they have like pool chairs. Yeah. But there's no water. I wish there were nicer chairs. And there's like weird lighting. Did they have like Enya playing or something? Maybe. It was like it was such a weird vibe. But I get the thing of like it helps with your respiration or whatever because like I mean I get it. I'm witchy. I have uh, I have a salt lamp next to my computer because, you know, the electromagnetic waves and all of that stuff. Like, you got to neutralize that and what, what have you. But, like, right. this is weird. This, yeah. ju- just go to the beach. <laughs> well, they don't have beaches. Do they, they-, they, do they have beaches? I mean, I guess. Like, it's not near Ashley's property, but, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I, I did crack up at Mia because the woman like, like, okay, here are your socks because uh, you have to wear socks in it. And Mia goes, wait, are these large? And then she starts stretching them because of all the comments that like Candace made about like her big yeah. feet, which I thought was fun. I like, I like that Mia can joke about herself and that's. Honestly, Mia's having a great season. Yeah. I really think this so. is probably her strongest season yet. Yeah. Um, Robin asks about what happened at the Mother's Day event, and Mia mentions how Karen is, you know, said that she's bringing some of the ladies to Surrey County. Robin goes, "Thankfully, I wasn't invited." And Mia goes, "I mean, none of us have been invited yet." She says she's going to put our names in like a fishbowl. Like, okay, so this then starts the trend, which I was really annoyed with this episode. Like, we have, and maybe I'm biased. I don't know, but like, we have been praising uh, Karen so hard this season in which has been not a great season for Potomac of Karen is always bringing it right. Right. And not only is Karen always bringing it, Karen is always making a point to try to bring the group together. She's the only one sort of making any form of effort. She's, I I would argue putting down her swords in a lot of cases, not all cases, but a lot of cases. And like, particularly with Giselle and Robin, when they've made good with Karen and like Giselle does it later where it's like, you just had this moment where you had your daughters together to like, sort of have this like yeah. bonding moment. Like, yeah, but we fight, but we love each other when we fight and it's not that big a deal. And then you spend this episode just kind of shit talking and like dragging Karen's character. Yep. 
And it's like, this is the whole, this is why I never got behind them. In my opinion, I feel like they've been doing this for seasons, but I, mm, I do feel like there was a change. I, I was behind Giselle and Robin uh, in the earlier seasons. Yeah. Um, but there was a shift at some point where it just got nasty. And I don't know when that shift was. Um, but it, like, now that that shift has happened, I don't see it ha- going back. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I love Karen, but Karen's crazy as hell. And then Robin then starts to tell the story from, like, four years ago where they were at some place and Karen mentioned, like brought up something about Raven. She's like, Hey, look at this photo of Raven and like pulled out her phone. And then Robin offhandedly saw on her can on Karen's camera roll that there was a photo of Robin and like her kids and like her mom and stuff like that. And some like clearly some like event or something like that. They took like a group photo or something and like brings this up to me. And Robin goes, to inner professional, that is when I confirmed my belief that Karen was obsessed with me. And as you can see, she's still obsessed with me. This is so deli- uh, this- Because she had one photo. Right. Like, I screenshot, I screenshot stuff to text people and whatever. That doesn't mean that, like, right. and I don't delete it from my camera roll. But that also aside, you saying that, like, Karen is obsessed with you when you were the fucking woman that dressed up as a pizza delivery man to see whether she was living at the house that she was claiming. Like actively got a uniform, put on a fake mustache, got pizza. Yeah. Like you went so extra on this. And it's just my, that's why I just don't understand it. It's like, they act as though Karen is so obsessed with them. And it's like the only one that I feel like consistently is bringing stuff up in the other person's life is you or you doing it to Karen. Right. In my view, I'm, like the stuff she cites from like last season with like the blonde hair girl and all that stuff. But that, those are also all in response. Right. The shit that you were doing. I just like, I don't understand it. And like, as they're doing this, they do this, like the editing team does this thing where they're playing all these moments with Karen. And then they take Robin's confessional and morph Karen's face onto Robin. And it's just like, okay, like, come on. But also, wasn't the blonde hair girl the assistant coach? And then they showed a picture of her this season. And I was like, uh, yeah, that does look like blonde Karen. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if Karen confirmed that that was the person she was talking about, but it does look exactly like Karen. Like, so she wasn't wrong. Yeah. Mia then uh, says, you know, you know, we're going through a lot with like the financial stuff, right? You know, before this whole crisis, I actually retained a lawyer to file for divorce. It felt like this came out of nowhere a little bit where it was like Mia just like, by the way, I filed for divorce. Uh, I, I tried yeah. to file for divorce. Um, and then Robin, Robin says to her confessional, when Mia the stripper got with Gordon, maybe she thought that she was going to sit back and live a life of leisure. I think she's seeing that's not the case. And it's like... It's one of those things where it's, like, technically correct. Like, I agree with Robin in terms of that. But also, like, it's so we- it's just crazy to say that about someone that, like, is, like, your ally. Right. I don't know. Um, Mia then asks, you know, are you guys in therapy? And Robin goes, we're not in therapy. No. And Mia goes, at all? Like, not even with, like, everything going on? And Robin goes, no. Like, it's... <laughs> It's so delusional, and it's like, and it's almost as if Robin was like, "What's going on? What's happening?" Honestly, it's like literally, 
She would rather, and it's also clear that she's trying to make a particular thing or storyline. Mia goes like, do you think that you need to go? And Robin goes, I think our issues are not like with each other. Like our issues are just like, you know, let's enjoy life more. That's not an issue. It's not. And, but she said it at the, when they were getting her, the boys adjusted in the last episode, last episode, she offhandedly says that to Juan. And it's like, oh, it's so obvious that like, that's what you want to be your storyline. And and it's like, no, that's not going to be your storyline, Robin. The storyline is this whole hotel thing. Yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah. And, and, you know, truly unoriginal might, you know, be might have your back on the editing and stuff but andy doesn't buy that shit no and he's gonna hold your feet to the fire at the reunion because that's what andy does Andy doesn't give a shit about truly unoriginal and what they're doing and it's just like it's it really makes me realize like how bad the strategy is that robin has implemented going into the season yeah because it's always like be it's either be super defensive or act like nothing's happened and it's like there has to be – it would be so much smarter if you just sort of like drew, handled this head on in a way. And it would have been probably done within by like episode four or five. Yeah. You know, we would have moved on to other stuff. Right. But she's dragged it out. Yeah. Um, we then go to Wendy and Eddie the, going out on a dinner date. I love Wendy's look in this uh, dinner date, this like red sort of like with like these gold accents. It was really pretty. I don't remember the look. And then there was also, oh, and then the confessional look with Wendy, Wendy and Eddie's joint confessional look where he's in the suit. And when he's in this, like, it really feels like you're at, like, an inauguration. It's, like, that giant gold petal, like, giant petal thing and, like, that. No clue? No clue. It was just so striking to me. I'm surprised that it didn't. I, I honestly, if I saw it, I might, I might remember, but I honestly, I just, nope. Blank. Yeah. Um, and Eddie talks a little bit about launching Happy Eddie and sort of how that's been sort of consuming his work a lot. He talks about how, like, Marilyn just legalized marijuana. And I did like how she he pointed out sort of the stuff about, like, only 2% of the industry being black-owned and, like, wanting, like having sort of, like, a reason right. to get into it other than just simply, like, I'm going to capitalize on the Happy Eddie thing, which I think it's smart on its own. Like, Right. Well, and, and the thing is, is it's more than just, like, the fact that only 2% of the cannabis industry is owned and operated by black people, but it's the disparity between that and the fact that black people are in, uh, inequitably targeted yeah. by drug laws and are most of black people are that are in prison are there for drug offenses, like nonviolent offenses. So like it, it's, it's that too, that makes it so important that black people be involved in the medical or not even just medical, but like uh recreational cannabis community, because it's, it's reestablishing um, and taking back that narrative, right? Right. Um, and I, I, yeah, and I think that's important to showcase on this show, particularly. Yes. Um, Wendy says, I think this is our first time in our marriage that we're both like knee deep in like what we're doing. And then she mentions like, you know, as of late, I've kind of, I've gone to sleep a few times by myself. And Eddie goes, I mean, I come to bed and you're sleeping. And Wendy goes, yeah, cause you're you know, come to bed at like two o'clock in the morning. 
And so it's like a little like, but here's the, I actually think it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it could be one way or another. I like that this is more of a dialogue and it's not just simply like accusations and sort right. of like, you know, defensiveness when he makes a joke. Well, when he says, like, I just don't want us to get to the point where sex is routine. And Eddie jokingly goes, I mean, if that means scaling back from work, like we both got to like stop working that. <laughs> and when he's like for sex, <laughs> like I said before, I just find, I don't know. I find their dynamic really true and honest and just yeah. kind of like, you could tell they really love each other. Um, we then another date, we go to Karen and Ray, but this is for a date day as Karen's calling it. Right. In, instead of a date night. Um, we, oh my God, on our married to medicine reviews, we talk about Toya being picky about dates. Karen is like, wouldn't even let this man order off the happy hour menu. She says, you better not order from the happy hour menu. When you got me on the day date, we're going to go back to the main menu where the prices say, I love my wife. <laughs> That don't make no damn sense. I, I mean, I, if he's the black Bill Gates, like you got to spend the money, I guess. But jeez, um, Karen uh, talks about getting her health like back in order with the five percent calcium uh, stuff. I, I shouldn't laugh at texture, <laughs> but Karen's like, you know, my doctor he wants me to work out. So if you don't mind, I kind of want to get a trainer with a ponytail. <laughs> I love that she specified ponytail. <laughs> Specifically with a ponytail. That's a very specific trainer. Ray goes, I can pick the ponytail. And Karen goes, he can't be ugly, Ray. Ray goes, does it have to be a he? And Karen goes, yes, it does. (laughs) I do like, that's the thing of like all the stuff last season about like, oh, it's Karen cheating on Ray. Oh, Karen has her. Right. It's like Karen just is kind of like open with it. And Ray's just like, yeah, cool. Like I, I, I think there's so much like Karen's just like, I need to be properly motivated and sex motivates me. Right. And let's be real. Ray is up there. Like, right. I don't, if Karen, Karen still, I mean, she's only 60. She's she's only in her triple 20. So (laughs) it's like, why shouldn't she like, I, it's a whole idea of like, you can still have sex and still like not necessarily love a person. And like, there is a difference there. Um, Karen, uh, tells uh, Ray about that. She's taking the girls to Surrey County. She tells him, I put names in a hat and I pulled them, you know, those that I don't want right now. I didn't put them in there. <laughs> Meaning basically I didn't put Teresa's in there. Right. I didn't put like, like, um, but she ended up pulling quote unquote, Giselle, Ashley, Wendy and Candace. And she feels like I give Giselle her wing person. I give, you know, them Candace, her wing person. It'll be fine. So, and then we see the graphics of, like, the text messages. Kara sends, like, the big invite text. These text messages. Oh, well, well they get even crazier later. But uh, it just starts with the ones of, like, it's just Candace and Wendy and Ashley are sending heart emojis to be, like, confirm. And then Giselle says, thank you for the invite, but I will not be attending. And it's like, okay, here we fucking go. It's like, this is where, like, we can, I we'll get to it maybe later in the last scene because I think there's a larger debate that people are I see having about like you know how everyone's kind of contributing to this toxicity and just sort of like you know not filming with each other and not doing this and that. I think like I think it's nuanced and I think like but Giselle is the least nuanced in terms of this and I think that Giselle has absolutely no reason to sort of like I, I don't I don't see Giselle's reasoning even from the comment about that Candace made about like the dwindling uterus and all that stuff. Yes. Those are things are bad, but it's like people made really bad comments on this show. And it's like, there's no reason why, but honestly, you can only expect in the face of toxicity, you can only expect someone to be non-toxic for so long. Yeah. Like at a certain point, 
I'm a statue by your roots. Yeah. Like, you gotta keep playing my face, and we're gonna stop playing. Like, uh, you you cannot be ex- like surprised when somebody comes back with some toxicity when you've been toxic right for years like just at this point it's just all toxic yeah we then uh go to NECA and Ike's houses uh, they're going through boxes Ike is trying to find his work badge and can't find it um, and NECA's getting annoyed by him, which is, just seems to be a constant. Um, NECA, I didn't know anything about this. And this, I feel like, changes, like, so much of, like, what is happening. She says, the challenges that me and Ike face as newlyweds is just living together. Because for the majority of our relationship, we were long distance. And I'm like, you're just now living together? That's, I mean, it's technically traditional to not move in with each other, but I think that's that's, stupid. I think it's crazy. I think it's wild to decide you want to spend the rest of your life with someone and you've never even shared space. Yeah. That's the dumbest thing you can do. And want to have, and and not even just in terms of like a relationship or like you're a casual newly read in like your twenties or whatever, like they're up there and like they want to have children. And it's like what you're just like figuring out like the, you just met this person. Basically, essentially, you don't really meet someone until you live together. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Giselle decides to stop by, and NECA gives her a tour of the house and all that. Um, Giselle asks about how the baby situation is going, and uh, she says that she got with Mia uh, to one of her doctor's appointments. And Mia suggested that uh, that because Mia had one of her kids with uh, IUI, so it's basically like the artificial. Not art- is it artificial insemination? Is that the no, technical term? No, artificial insemination is. It's different, but I can't quantify what's different about it. Mm-hmm. Let's call Anna Marie. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, she don't know. Yeah, I'll call Simone. She'll know. And then, because but like they make the like turkey baster joke, right? Right. But Neca says to her confessional, "I'm going to take a page out of those video girls and get a little turkey baster." And then she says, "I'm getting guaranteed income for 18 years." That's one of those things where it's like. It's fun to think about it, but, like, I don't think you should say that ever. Yeah. Like, you, like, like we said that about Ashley for, like, however many years, right, when she was with Michael. It's like, it, I, I always, the way I always reference is the Wendy Williams joke of just, like, do I want one lump sum or 18 years of payments? I'm going to take the 18 years. Right. Like, like but, like. That's for us to say about people that's not us. Like, right. if you're on television saying that, it's like, I, if your kid grows up and watches that, like, right. that's, like, not okay. That That's really fucked up. If I remember to go back to it, I think, like, artificial insemination is where they, like, implant a fertilized egg, perhaps, Oh, okay. And then, like, this, this is just a sperm. Right. This is, like, intrauterine insemination. Okay. Where they, like... And then they wait for an egg to drop into the uterus. It's all the process without the, yeah. It's all the process without the fun. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Giselle asks, has Karen been here? And NECA goes, Karen showed me around the place. And I love the compilation of her NECA riding in the car with Karen being like, LA has nothing on Potomac. Look through them weeds and that's the post office. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Wild. It's so crazy. But then Neca goes, I mean, she tried me, honey. She tried to say I was living in North Potomac. And like, 
technically, unless unless I was confused by the map that they showed, she is in North Potomac. She's north of like, but there's I, I is it like there's like how there's like a Virginia and West Virginia? <laughs> Maybe that's kind of like the vibe that I got was there's a separate area called North Potomac. This is just in the north part of Potomac. Right. And also, why is it any less bad that it's... That's why, that was why I was like, they were reading this as such shade. And it's this, like... This felt like that fight on Roni years ago between uh, Bethany and uh-huh. Ramona, where they were like, oh, well, you're in like the west part of the Hamptons. You're on the other side of the highway. Like, you're not really in the Hamptons. It's like... Fuck you. Like, who gives a shit? (laughs) Right. Giselle goes, you're in 20854, and you're an owner. Karen is not. She has been a renter. And I'm like, you were also a renter, famously. Katie Ross called your ass out on that at the first reunion. So, yeah. Also, how long has your house been out of construction? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's still not finished, technically. Like, you're an owner, but you own a construction site. Where are you living? (laughs) Right. Where is your home? Um, uh, Sharice then stops by and NECA talks about how her and Sharice are really getting along and sort of like hitting it off. Um, and they basically just continue to talk shit about Karen. It's the two people to do it, I guess. I guess. Um, like, and, and it was just annoying me. I, and I don't think NECA's there yet. Like, I, I, the one thing, the one thing I did like about NECA so far this season was how nice she was to Karen. Like, I think like, well, like when Karen was bringing up originally like the, the home in Surrey and stuff like that, right. NECA seemed very genuinely interested and like mm-hmm. invested. And so I'm like, get your claws out of NECA in this regard. Like, yeah. you know, um, Karen, Karen then texts the group chat, like the updated text and Giselle basically tells him about how she was in, invited and she rejected it and, and all this stuff. Giselle says in her confessional, don't pull my name when you're pulling Candace and Wendy. Don't pull my name. And Karen, I told you why. And then she goes, I have to be concerned about my safety. This is where I was like, go fuck yourself. I'm sorry. Go fuck yourself. And I'm so anyone talking about like Candace or Wendy's delusions this season, which like you can say moments, but like this is delusional. I'm sorry. Your safety and not to, and because this isn't even about like trolls. This isn't even about the whole like Candace sent the trolls after me that she was trying to say in Austin. The internet is not going to get you in Surrey. She's literally saying I can't be in a van for two hours with these women because of my safety. And I'm sorry, the whole like colorism stuff that you're claiming it was ridiculous. Yeah, this is really only fueling that. Yeah, I, I I said it before. The whole colorism conversation was not about you treating other people. It was how you get treated versus other people. Here, you're playing into things. I'm sorry. How the hell are you going to say I have to worry about my safety as if you're going to get physically attacked when you're talking about the only two women on this cast who were victims of assaults and not the perpetrators of it. Right. That's fucking, it pisses me off so much. And it's like, well, it's, it's also wild. Like thinking back to like the Candace and Monique stuff. Did she only side with Candace against Monique because Monique was darker skinned than Candace? Yeah, I mean, you could say that, but I, I don't even know. Like, Well, and also, like, at that reunion when they first brought up the colorism conversation, Monique, Monique was kind of, like, anti-there's colorism, which I think is interesting. But, like... I think it's, I mean, but it was pure, it, at the very least, it was purely from the fact that she just hated Monique. She didn't care about Candace. Right. She didn't care about Candace's well being. And the way you can just switch like that is just like, 
I find it so nasty. And again, like we can, yes, I would prefer it if everyone dropped their swords in ways in which they could work together, including we'll get to it to a certain extent, Wendy, right. to a certain extent, even though I'm on Wendy's side, like I wish everyone on this show could do that. Cause it would make for a better show than what we have right now. Right. But th- there is also levels and like, this is utterly insane. Right. And it's really just her throwing her weight around. And I think like, I I can't I don't know how you can sustain with that unless there is some sort of like either downgrading or like you get, again you get a new production company that's not doesn't have Giselle's back and you get her in a fucking room and say look you cannot do this I just I really think that if if Bravo has any sort of interest in returning Potomac to its former glory, they, they, they have to fire Giselle. I just, they have to like housewives have been fired for less than this. Right. So I, I, I'm just, I'm exhausted because there's nothing good that she can bring to the table, which again, I used to be a fan of hers. I used to think she brought a lot to the table, but she's not bringing anything to the table because she refuses to have anyone at it. Yeah. They, I really do think they need to crack down to a certain extent generally of just like, you don't film, you don't get paid. Right. And I, and we'll talk about it with Vanderpump. That might seem a little hypocritical on my end. I would say Vanderpump again is a different situation, but also she, but Ariana is is filming scenes with Tom. Like we'll see them later in the season. She's not interacting, but she's at least not saying I refuse to be there. Yeah. Cause she knows what her job is. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Giselle tells NECA, so you need to decide whether you are attending as a second class citizen or not. Cause they, cause that Karen has now sent a group invite to everyone. Be- and she says, <laughs> Karen says it's cause she increased her liability insurance, but like she tries to sell it later, but yeah. Um, so they're ta- we see then more texts, right? We see right. more texts from the group chat. And like Candace is say, confirming again. Wendy's confirming again. Robin texts, hi, Karen. Thank you for the invite. However, it is extremely last minute. And I have committed to spending the day with my children and nephews tomorrow. Travel safely. Karen just replies, cool, Robin. <laughs> and Robin Spelt wrong. misspelled. <laughs> It's so funny. But then my favorite one was Mia uh, texting, I can't get past original invite. And then Karen replies, Mia, you need to. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's so good. Um, Okay. Then we go. So Karen's getting ready to head to Surrey County and everyone's meeting uh, at Karen's house. Um, Again, to, uh, to the point of also like the like interacting or whatever, Candace makes a comment of like, yeah, I brought like drawers because like I didn't know if I was going to like sweat one off because I know we were going to be working like hoeing constitutes crotch sweat. And then Ashley's like, I mean, you can just like take them off. And Candace's like, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, do you even have them on? She's like, I'm wearing a skirt. Like, but like, again, as much as I was, I said last week, I was like, why does Candace fuck with Ashley after the because I feel like Ashley was more involved than like Robin, but like at least Candace and Ashley are interacting. Yeah. At least they're like, that's where I'm like, there are people that are doing the work and there's people who are not. And like, right. we got to keep that in mind. Um, NECA makes a comment or confessional about being the second invite. And she goes, you know, I know we just celebrated Karen's birthday. I know she's new to this senior citizenship. So I'm willing to accept some fluctuation in personality and etiquette. I'm like, ma'am. 
I would I think NECA's really fucked herself in terms of just the linking with the green eyed bandits. Yeah. Only because like I this joke I would be like, oh, okay, that's funny shade. But it's like when it's like you just had that scene with Giselle. Yeah. It just feels like Yeah. Well it, it's 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 one of those things where it's like once you once you dislike somebody it, you hate everything that they do. Yeah. Like all of a sudden they're breathing too loud and like they walk too heavy and like, why are they coughing? Fuck you. Like, fuck you and your breathing. Like, yeah, it, it becomes a whole thing. Yeah. They're all in the van, uh, driving to Surrey County. Karen goes, I was shocked that Giselle said, Karen, I love you, but I won't be there. And Candace goes, you were shocked. (laughs) Like you were surprised by this. Like, have you met Giselle? Yeah. Um, Karen then goes, I don't know what Mia was on in the text message. Like, what the fuck? And NECA goes, I mean, I can share that sentiment. You know, you did send an original message and it took Giselle declining an invitation to open it to everyone else. That's just how it appeared. And Karen goes, I received that. I'll take the L on that. <laughs> Cause that's clearly what it, it had nothing to do with your liability insurance. But it also clearly was like, Karen's like, I don't want to have this argument. Yeah. It just. Fine, shut it down. Sure. Um, Wendy tells them that hap- Eddie's doing a Happy Eddie event um, to sort of like launch the line and sort of all that stuff. Karen asks, is everyone invited? And Wendy goes, well, Eddie, Eddie's reaching out to the guys. Like, it's really like his thing. It's not my thing. <laughs> but then it's like, of course, they're shading it in terms of that. And then in the confessional, the producer asks Wendy, will Eddie be inviting NECA and Ike? And then there's just the do-do-do-do as Wendy's just like staring off being like, it's complete silent. I, I I feel like Wendy would be more likely to invite NECA to something than Eddie would be to Ike. Like, they've done nothing but scream at each other. Sure, I guess. But, like, I th- I mean, I think either way it's... I and, and I get it to a certain extent, but, like, you know. Well, but with it being Eddie's event, they don't have to invite everybody. There's no everybody has to be at events and trips and all of those those things when it's eddie's event eddie's not a cast member yeah um neca then invites all the women to an unpacking party at her house where they're gonna get in pajamas and help unpack for her you were like what the fuck is this like Uh, no when you have money you do not bring friends over for manual labor you hire people yeah come on Like, like Beer and pizza is for when everyone's broke. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Like, I need night. I'm sorry. I need nice parties. Uh, like, same with the can. Like, with the, what we were saying with Candace with her event. Like, how good it was. Like, I need nice fucking parties again. Stop this shit of just, like, we're going to get in our pajamas. and Like, no! You're fucking rich! Right. <laughs> this is, not rich, but, like, this is the whole point of, like, housewives. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, But Ashley then turns to Wendy and goes... So, I mean, she asked you to come. It was so like a mom being like trying to like coax it. And when he just goes, you're always skipping like 20 million steps. Like, yeah, which I get it. Like, yeah. Um, Ashley tells them about like her and Giselle's leisure line. And this is where Wendy goes, you and Giselle great in clothes. Is this an April Fool's joke? And exactly. Ashley makes the comment. Her confessional, the louder the cackle, the more they're bothered. And Wendy just goes, do you see them get dressed every day? What? <laughs> Absolutely not. Like, Ashley, you had to, you had to, maybe not as much Ashley, because I don't think Ashley's a terrible dresser for the most part, but like, you knew it, Giselle. It's like, come on. Like, 
I am more apt to buy um, fucking uh, diapers from Sonia Morgan than I am to buy leggings from those two. Yeah. Because at least I know the diapers work. Um, They stop at this gas station. I would love to know what gas station it is they stopped at because Wendy gets a gas station margarita, which I didn't know was a thing. (laughs) Not in any state we've lived in. Sure. Like, but she, but apparently it's really great. She's like, I feel like I'm in a nightclub and they do the, the music video thing they did with Wendy at the chicken ship and go thing again, which I find not the best gag. Um, but she's like, she's like very giddy and laughing. And she actually is be like, is there like THC in that? Like, what the hell? Like, it's, you know, alcohol also makes people happy. Doesn't have to be pot just because her husband is selling. <sighs> sure. Um, they arrive at Karen's uh, family house and they all the families there and they also have the reverend there to bless the house. It was a nice little moment of, you know, seeing all of Karen's family and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but after they do all the blessing and stuff like that, they all get dressed in uh, like cleaning and um, like doing yard work. Uh, yard work. Yeah. Well, can, they make a point of like Karen's and they say it's like a gown. It's not like like expensive gown, but it's like a longer dress. And Karen is fucking wearing Chanel sneakers to do this shit, which is like, does not surprise me. No, um, but they're basically excavating and sort of like helping like with like the the shrubbery and stuff like that around the tree. It was very much like do a little bit of yard work and that's it. We're not going to yeah. like have you like everyone else can do it. Karen says, you know, when the tree trimmer comes, he can see if there's any like snakes anywhere, anywhere right there. And they're like, fucking like, don't you fucking do this. And like Karen like fakes them out at one point thinking there's a snake there. And I hate, I hate these pranks. I hate pranks like that. Yep. They flash back to when they did it with Wendy once with like spiders and like snakes in her bed or whatever. And it's like, don't you fucking like fear is not funny. You know what was funny? I saw a prank the other day on TikTok that was hilarious, and it was the husband had replaced his wife's bar of soap with a with a potato that he had like cut into the shape of the bar of soap. <laughs> That's funny. No one is hurt. No one is scared. And you just get a little starch on you. You just get a little starch on you <laughs> that you can then use your actual soap to wash off. It's fine. It was just funny. That's a prank. Yeah. That that's perfectly fine. Have you seen the one where it's like it's some like it's some show that's all about just pranking people or whatever, and it's like these celebrities come in for this like interview. I forgot who it was, but they sit down and one of the chairs is just made of cake. <laughs> like yes. that's the shit I like. Yes. Like yeah. like it's just you went out of your way, but it's still like not like gonna like. I- even that one is still a little bit because you don't know what they're wearing and whether like that could ruin an article of clothing. I, I mean, I guess if it's a celebrity, then they can afford to replace it. But also, like, why would you do that? You don't know if that has sentimental value, whatever. Sure. You just, I don't, you don't fuck up people's clothes. Throw away their bar of soap. Yeah. Get another bar of soap for three bucks. It's fine. They uh, go across uh, the way to Aunt Val's place to have lunch and sit down and all that. Uh, Wendy says, I'm glad that was your first option, Karen, (laughs) which is so like, (laughs) that was a little rude. (laughs) Karen goes, Neka, you were second, but it's because that you didn't need a Band-Aid or a moment, basically. Like, basically, no, like I, I was doing it particularly for the people that are like having issue, essentially. And Neka goes, because I don't have any problems. And I was like, that's not really true, actually. Like, there is the stuff. With, and it takes Ashley bringing it up. She goes, like, I do think there is still potential for you guys. You know, it's just a matter of when both of you guys come to the decision that you want to get there. 
I'm like that is an oversimplification, and you know it. Yeah, it's like you can't just try hard enough, and it's good. Like, it, yeah, it does take both of them deciding that they're gonna, you know, try. But part of trying is apologizing. Yeah, there's awkward silence, but then when he goes. Karen, I'm here for you. I love and support your family. I'm a family girl. You know how much my mom means to me, how much my sister means to me. This is a sisterhood. And anyone in this group should have sisterhood in their hearts. Which, yeah. Which I was like, here's the thing. I think like Wendy, people were kind of, I saw a lot of that people being like, NECA's trying to mend it. And no, Wendy's, and Wendy's being a wall. I don't, when you listen closely, I actually don't think that's true. I think no, it's, it's shady. Yeah. I think Wendy is like. You you can yes you can argue NECA by extending the invitation but I don't think there's any like sort of getting to the meat of things when it comes to the stuff right she's just trying to act like nothing happened yeah Wendy goes at the end of the day you call me a bitch you call my mom a witch you call talked about my husband your husband tried to attack my husband you talked about my sister NECA goes I never said anything about your sister I called you a bitch yes and then she goes have I ever denied it and Candace goes no you haven't. Like, she, like you, you have not saying that you, you're, which is better than like, I guess like Anna Marie, for example, who's just like misremembering conversations conveniently. Um, NECA goes, <laughs> the misremembering conversations from literally the last breath. Yeah. NECA goes, you can't curse at somebody and think that they're not going to say something. And when he goes, I used the curse word in a sentence, which is technically true. She didn't call you out your name. When he yeah. didn't call her out your name, she didn't raise it by being like, well, bring it the fuck up or like, like. It was all heated, but I also just think, like, it's ignoring the... Even Wendy bringing up the, like, you call me a bitch and that's why this happened. It's like, even the manner in which NECA brought it up was, I think, like, the wrong place. And just, like, even it didn't feel like it was coming from a place of genuine, like, sort of, like, concern about something that may have happened to her family. Also, can we... It's 2024. Let's stop acting like bitch is really offensive. Sure. It's not. Like... It's synonymous when, in a fight, like it's with just person. Yeah. Like it, it's it, who gives a fuck. And Candace, said, you know, was they played the compilation of Candace, and I'm sure there's plenty of times when Wendy said "bitch" about you know, yeah. like I that I don't. Again, I I was also just so confused because I feel like that wasn't the biggest deal in the fight, right? It, to me, bringing up the usage of "bitch." Or the usage of name calling within a larger fight that has nothing to do with the name calling is such a deflection from the point. Right. It should be about you slandered my mother by saying that she was participating in voodoo. Right. To, like that's the fight. Like what? Like I w- I did wish Wendy would have focused more on that. Yeah. And that where you know, um, and that goes. I didn't attack anyone because besides saying the truth, Wendy goes. I have no desire, no interest to have a conversation with someone whose existence is inconsequential to my happiness. And NECA goes, my existence is what got you riled up in the first place. But playing off the whole, like, you were mad that I was coming on the show thing. Also, um, even if that had been what Wendy had brought up, NECA still would have doubled down. Because on Watch What Happens Live, she literally says she still believes. Yeah. That her mom has shrines that she, like... You have to drop that at this point. Like, at that point, you have to drop. Because you have the public saying, like, this as, an, as you know, as black people, as Nigerian people, as, like... like This, this is offensive. Yeah. Stop it. You can take that element out of it. Right. Well, and you, did you see who's going to be on the on next week's episode? No. Leb is coming in next week. 
For the watch what happens live? No, on the show next week. Oh, okay. On Potomac. Yeah, that should be interesting. Um <laughs> I, I'm so over the I'm I'm part of me is over the fight, but it's like I also like I want them to add, like I want it to move. Yeah. Like I'm tired of it sitting where it is because we keep having the same argument. Yeah. Karen asks Wendy to just stay open. And Wendy goes, let's be clear. An invitation does not absolve anyone from anything because it shows a lack of accountability because you're skipping from step A to point Z. Right. Like, I get that. Like, yes. My thing is, like, I also think, like, people being like, well, Wendy needs to, like, this is the same thing. People are saying, like, this is the same thing Giselle's doing. It's not really. Because, like, one, Wendy's having scenes with this person at the very least, even though, like she doesn't have to move on with this person. Like you're going to have conflicts on, on housewives that you don't move on from, you know, right? But, number, number one, she's filming, but number two, Giselle made that shit up. This is real. This is happening. We saw it happen. Right. And it's just like, I also understand Wendy. Like, I don't think you just forgive somebody who's like, you slandering your mother. Like that's something that's very like deep about this, that it's like, you know, like, not something that is just like a simple like we're gonna have one conversation on like this like scripted television show and like get not scripted but you know what I mean like and like get over it right and act like nothing happened that's not gonna happen if you want the fights to be sort of like these like move on moments and you need the content to be that right well and you need willingness to move on both sides right and that's that's the thing um, but that was Potomac for this week like I said not the best. Um, fuck, I, I hope they can pick it up. I really don't want to hate Potomac as much as I do now, but yeah, that's where we are. But this is the second season in a row of this stagnant bullshit. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we are talking the premiere of season 11 of Vanderpump Rules. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. Do you want something new to put on your reading list? Are you feeling your holiday spirit grow while also being astutely politically in tune? Then you'll want to pick up The Santa Strike, a new book by Shanna Hammaker. While home in Midland, Texas on a weekend visit with the eccentric uncle who raised him, Marion Wachlowski, otherwise known as Mary, discovers a long-forgotten letter Uncle Joe wrote to Santa Claus. Mary keeps it to share with his girlfriend Lindsay and his best friend Tommy, at first, they consider the letter to be nothing more than a silly lark. What kind of grown man would write a letter to Santa? But soon, Mary and Lindsay find themselves caught in a much larger mystery concerning many, many more letters to Santa, all surrounding the crisis of gun violence in America. You can order The Santa Strike now on Amazon, available both on Kindle and in paperback. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com dot 
Welcome back to A Gay is Envy. Let's head on over to L.A. where this premiere episode is lovely and light and it ends with a jump scare on Vanderpump Rules. Vanderpump Rules, season 11 premiere. We are back, baby. Um, I'm glad. I don't know if you saw the ratings have hold, held a good bit. Good. They were up like 0.55 in the demo, which is like big. Like, yeah. It, it, I love that it maintained. And I, like you were hinting in the intro, like I love that. I think it was really good that this episode had no Sandoval in it. Yeah. Like I get that we have to get to him and I get that we have to like, so like it's going to be, exo- I'm sorry. It's going to be exhausting. I like, I'm going to, I'm going to be entertained. I think cause I'm going to be yelling so much, but it's going to be exhausting. But I also am really excited that they showed this episode without him. Because it really shows what the show can be. Yeah. It proves in a single episode that we don't need him. Yeah, I would say. Which, I'm sorry, this entire time in between seasons, he's been talking about how he's the reason that the the mm-hmm. ratings were good. That he's I got the you guys a raise was allegedly what he had. He got people. everybody a raise. Like he's the reason that season 11 is happening. And it's like, they took this whole, this whole episode to prove all of that bullshit wrong because yeah. this was a great episode. It was. And I think like, huh, it's going to, I know it's going to shift because not just with Sandoval, but I know with like certain other people in the cast and it's like not, nothing in turn, like the, the dynamics now as, as I think rightly correct that they are, I know they're going to change and I know it's not going to be like the best all the time in terms of me rallying behind all these people. Right. And so like, that's going to be frustrating, but also it's like, I, I don't know how, like they've been building up like, you know, well, Lisa, I would say Lisa Vanderpump, but a lot of times has been like, you know, it was a learning thing. Like some of them have been saying it as well, but like, it's going to be a real learning thing for the group. Like, you know, I would say people to just like keep an open mind and like whatever. But I'm, I, I, I know we, we, we didn't listen to it. I listened to clips, but like that Tom Sandoval on the Nick Vile podcast, like right when the day of the episode aired. I don't see what's going to happen this season with because he's not learned anything in ten months. He's maintained. He hasn't learned anything in ten years. Sure, but he's maintaining the exact same story. It's all Ariana's fault. He's well, sorry, not exact same story. He's also added the Rachel tempted me basically. Right. It's just it's exhausting. Also, can we get the entire cast to pick Rachel or Raquel because they kept going back and forth between well, different people? But this is well, I think in the some of the confessionals they were calling her. Well, also some of them that were calling her. I think some of them were still calling her Rachel, not meanly like 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 because I think this was before she came out and said I'm changing my name back to Rachel. Right, but then Vanderpump was calling her Raquel in the confessional. Right. Yeah, 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 it depends on it's when just, the... it's exhausting. Yeah. Like, pick a lane, stick with it. Like at this point, I don't give a fuck. Like last season, I was very much no fuck you. You don't get to change your name <laughs> to absolve yourself of your crimes. Sure, but like I don't care. Just pick one because this back and forth is getting exhausting. Yeah, and like now she has her podcast and like all that stuff. I think like. Here, I don't think we're getting the full truth from either her or Sandoval because I think there's elements of Rachel's stuff that, like, aren't fully truthful either. Well, and there's lying between them, right? Yeah. So, like... They're contradicting she, each other. They're Well, they're contradicting each other mainly because 
partially, I, I will say, at least partially because Rachel was being lied to. And I, I am glad that she has, to a certain extent, woken up to the fact that he manipulated her. Right. Well, and it's like all it's frustrating because I think at this point she's giving us the truth as she knows it. Yeah. But that's still full of his lies. Right. So even then, even though she wants to give us the full picture and the truth of everything that's happening, which I do believe. Yeah. What is the truth and what is like what she was fed? Yeah. Yeah. Um, We start the episode with a couple flash scenes. Uh, We start with Ariana at the house. The, and it, I thought it was such the perfect way to start of Ariana with her dog. And she goes up to the kitchen. She goes, you know, I'm going to make my own latte because that's how I roll around here. <laughs> oh, guess what, Tom? She can do it herself because she's a grown fucking adult. Like the fact that he on that fucking Nick file podcast is still being like, I made her dumpling lattes. I was, you know, I was the only one initiate. Fuck off. He's the worst. I hate him. Like, Ugh. no one cares. But I will say, you noted as much as that we'll get into the living situation later between the two of them. You noted they need to take that photo down. Oh, of, that that big photo of the two of them in the upstairs hallway. It's the one that looks like it's like a light bright almost. Like, yeah, it's awkward. Yeah, take it down I, on both of their parts. Like, I honestly, that would have been one of the things that I burned when Kristen came over in the finale. Yeah. Like, please throw that shit in the fire. Yeah. We then see James and Allie at their new house. Um, and which I, I, I actually, they did like a tour for, I think like Bravo, like the way they tour. I actually think it's a really good house for a first house. Yeah. Um, even though it's by the airport. <laughs> it is. By, well, but the thing is, is that for as small as it is and the fact that it's by the airport, it's still like $1.6 million. Yeah. It's like LA prices are stupid. It really is. It, it's not a $1.6 million house. It's but, like a, like, honestly, maybe a two fifty. Yeah. Two hundred fifty. I could say maybe house. like five hundred. I mean, with some of the finishes, I would say three. Yeah, the finishes are nice, but yeah. Oh wait, no pool three fifty. Yeah, I was gonna say the pool adds to it. Yeah. They have the little garage that he's making into a studio, but still, like one over one million dollars <clears throat> is dumb. Yeah. And then, so then we also then go to Schwartz's apartment and he's watering all his plants that he's, cause he's into plants now. His only friends. He's, he's like my only friends now. He's in full midlife crisis mode. He really yeah. is. Like, it's like. Well, and it's, it's frustrating because I, I want to feel for him because he has hitched his wagon to someone who has completely ruined his favor but also he's done a lot of fucked up shit over the years that has also ruined his favor right and it's like i feel bad for him in terms of like even the i feel bad for him in terms of the dynamic that he is in with sandoval divorced of what he is because i think it's to its extent divorced of what he's doing to other people right we'll get to it later he is culpable for his actions but i do think he has been um just as abused by Sandoval as other people right. have watch both the after show and the Nick file podcast. When Sandoval is like too still going on about like our, 
And the fact that Sandoval was saying Ariana is like overdoing it in terms of the anger and like she's p- being petty and like, you know, being, you know, leaning into it too much. Watch Schwartz every time Sandoval goes on a big rant about Ariana. His, he looks like he wants to be anywhere where than where he is right now he is he knows he's spiraling he knows everything that he's saying is just digging a bigger hole and is just making it worse but he doesn't have the guts to say it there has to be a rift coming right uh, dear god i hope so well, we, we get to, i think we're gonna get it to a certain point on the show but then he goes back like, because now he's like still with with Sandoval going to Thailand and and like exhausted and, and literally on the podcast with Nick, like being his mouthpiece. Yeah. Like every it's like, well, what that's not what you mean. What you mean is because it's coming across that way. I don't think what you mean. It's been ten months. You've yeah. been doing and sorts. You have been doing this to him. You've been correcting his grammar, or not grammar, but you've been correcting what he's been saying and giving his true intentions and whatever for ten fucking months. If Sandoval doesn't learn to say it fucking differently, if he means it differently, then he's never going to fucking learn it, and that's what he means. Right. So stop. Yeah, I think he just wants to believe the best in his friend, and it's like. Dude, you gotta you gotta realize your friend's a piece of shit. He, and to a certain extent, so are you. Yeah. Okay, so we thought the first big scene is Katie's visiting Ariana at the house and they're getting ready to go thrift shopping for something about her and Katie's talking about how the process is going. Um people have been dragging them for the fact that it's still not open, but again, it's all permitting in LA, which I hear yeah. is terrible and like Well, and then they decided to widen that street so they like had to remove all their porch seating. Yeah. I would just like to correct people, like People comparing it to the Schwartz and Sandy stuff being like, oh, well, karma or whatever. No, they had the permits already. Schwartz and Sandy's had permits. They were all set up to go, whatever. They spent months and months and months because they couldn't get a fucking menu together and get, like, work staff. Yeah. That's not the same thing. Also, they mention in this scene, Ariana mentions that um, Sandoval is in... New Zealand. New Zealand filming that uh, special forces, the special forces show. So yeah. that's why he's not in this episode. Which thank God, Katie's like it's quiet in here. <laughs> um, Ariana says in her confession, "I just love the way Ariana started started it. Three months ago, when Tom blew up our lives, I wasn't prepared to be kicked out of the house." And basically talks about how they're living together, but they're in a place where it's like he, she's in the master bedroom. He's in, and they have no interaction with each other. They're passing in the night. They're just communicating through his assistant Anne. And oh my god, the fucking text message! They, they show a text message exchange where Ariana text, has to text Anne. Please tell him to turn off the LED lights at night. It's disturbing the neighbors. And Anne replies, "He says they fall under freedom of speech." This we ha- again. I will remind people. This man is a fucking terrorist. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's a fucking terrorist. Like he. Like well, the fact that he is at this point terrorizing the neighbors so that they will bother Ariana. Right. Cause she's the only one. And he's claiming I, he's also claiming that I paid all the bills in the house. She's, he's basically acting as if Ariana isn't paying any bills to live there, which I do not fucking buy. I don't buy either. And honestly, what is your income besides the show you owe your mom so much money also all the equity that you took out of the house to start Swartz and sandy's did you pay that back yet no of course not so how are you paying all the bills yeah 
Ariana says, which is great for me because I don't have to look at his stupid face, but bad for Anne because that's literally her job. <laughs> Ariana's, I, again, I love her. And also, by the way, for the people, because well, uh, we'll get into like the house stuff in a bit, like the people being like, well, she is being too, like she is dwelling on this too much. Keep in mind, this was three months, three months since it, for, since she first found out. Right. This is March or April. So we can't act as though like it's been like 10 months. It hasn't. Right. So, and I would say by the point she gets to dancing with the stars, she is like, right. Not in the same place. Yeah. Um, she says, I feel like the house is the last thing that's tying things. And she tells Katie, but what I think is psychotic is he wants to buy me out and stay here. And Katie goes, if he has that kind of money, go buy something else, which people being like, well, she should just buy like, yeah, he, she, she should take the offer and buy him out. I don't know much about homes, but I was seeing a lot of tweets from people being like, as someone who works in real estate, she's doing everything correct in terms of this. Cause no, like in terms of market value, he's claiming he's, he offered her like 3 million, which is above market value, which again, I don't fucking believe because he doesn't have the money for that. Right. And if he did have the money for that, he also was claiming in the after show, I didn't leave because I don't have the money to just like go somewhere else to live. But you have the money to buy out her half of the house. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Well, the whole thing is, is that he wants to buy her out of the house at market value so that he can then go jack up the price and sell it for a huge profit and and cut her out of it. Right. Which is horse shit. Yeah. And that putting that aside, even the, when Jax uh, cheated on Brittany with Faith, go watch that season back where Sandoval is dragging him for not leaving the apartment. Right. You, you fucked up. You're the one that pays the consequence, dude. She didn't do anything wrong. Right. As much as you want us to believe that. Ariana tells Katie, what are you going to bring your little pen pal back over here? Which is the other thing, because it's like, why it's the... It's what you mentioned about like money wise, but also like he, again, she, I will remind people when she went to go film her lifetime movie in the interim between these seasons, he brought Rachel to the fucking house by all intents and purposes at this point, they're still together seemingly. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and Ariana says, from what I can tell, Tom and Rachel are still very much together because they're sending mail and packages back and forth to each other. She even sent a postcard with lightning bolts all over it. Like get a new bit already. Like, and beyond the fact that that's ridiculous. Also, um, she speaks Bravo has a video about this on the after show versus on Rachel's podcast. They're contradicting each other. Sandoval is saying, I don't know why she sent them to the house. Like, I just think it like, you know. You know, I, I think you got one, Schwartz, but like, yeah, she was like sending them to the house or whatever. That was so performative that I think you got one, Schwartz. Yeah. And she says on the podcast, he was telling her to send stuff to the house. Right. Because he wanted Ariana to see it. Right. It's psychological warfare. That's the point. Yeah. And then Ariana tells Katie, also, he had his assistant glue the penis flute back together that Logan broke, which is so stupid like, and so petty, by the way. Why do you want that? Right. Anyways, um, at James and Allie's house, they're doing this like building project. Um, James uh, says, I think it's funny. I'm the one with the pool now when Sandoval stopped inviting me to all his pool parties as, as soon as his affair started. And Allie goes, you were just one less person to hide it from. Which I th- I actually yeah. think is probably true. 
Um, James tells Allie that Sandoval basically just went cuckoo. And he says in his confessional, I've seen clips of his god-awful performances, shirtless, laughing at the microphone, shouting Raquel's name. You know, Itsy Bitsy Spider, like, once upon a time I dropped the phone out the pocket and someone picked it up. Like, good God, man, get a hold of yourself. And it's like, yeah, he's a mess, <laughs> like, at this Ugh. point. Um, it It's crazy. And, like, also, well, well yeah. Well, actually, no, we'll get into it now with the Brock and Sheena thing. We go to Brock and Sheena's house. Um, they're sitting on the couch. Sheena goes... I swear, every time I have conversations on this couch, I just get, like, Sandoval flashbacks. Then buy a new one. Buy a new one, or I was like, sage it. Sage the fuck out of it. No, because that has to do more with memories than energy. I don't think the energy is necessarily there, and that's what the sage would do. Yeah. But, like, if you're, like, reminded of it just looking at it, just... Or just feng shui the living room. Because to me, it's just like Yeah, if you put it in a different spot, it may not evoke that scene anymore. Yeah. Uh, Sheena asked Brock, so he never responded to you right after you reached out when Ali died. And apparently this, she talks about how one of Sandoval's close friends, right? Who, which by the way, I think it was, I like it. I, we're getting more of the outside characters of the friend group that we haven't seen in like past seasons. Like, right. Like the people who like Ariana's group. And like, so I find that I feel like they kind of have to, to a certain extent because of how real it's gotten. Not to say it's fake before, but it's like, it involves all these other people now. And so right. it's like, Becoming a bigger thing. I also think that they're, like, expanding the idea of where to look. Because now we're not getting people into the group from Vanderpump. Like, we're from right. from working for Vanderpump. Because that's no longer what the, the focus of the show is. Yeah. Now it's this friend group that used to work together. So we have to be able to feed into that somehow. Yeah. Um, and then Sheena details that basically, like, when Ali died, she had sent Sandoval a text message basically being like, hey, Sandoval, I'm so sorry about Ali's death, etc. Like, if you need anything from us, feel free to contact us. He didn't reply. And then so Sheena decided to text him again, and then the text didn't go through, so she realized she was blocked. And then she went on to Instagram and that he had blocked her. He blocked shenanigans. He blocked – she said he blocked her sister as well. And then she blocked the Summer Moon account. Which, number one, it's icky that you have a uh, Instagram for your child. I don't really, I don't even like it for dogs, to be honest. And yeah, but at least, at least dogs aren't someone that a predator is going to then have access to your child. You know, yeah, like that's it's. And I will say there is, I did confirm because you were, there is a function on Instagram where it's like, if you block one person, you can block any account that's like associated with the same sort of stuff. So that's probably what happened. Like, I don't think he like intentionally, the only thing was her sister. I was like, how did like that? I think is more intentional, but whatever. Yeah. It's, it could also be any, the way that I, if I remember correctly, the way that they connect the accounts is like if you are logged in, like for example, I am on my Instagram on on my phone, I'm logged into my personal Instagram, yeah. I'm logged into the Instagram for my work because I run their social media, and I am um logged into the gay and his MB Instagram. So if Follow someone us were now. To, <laughs> sorry. So if someone were to block me it would block the other ones too because Instagram knows that the same person is logged into all of those. So if someone had left like on a iPad that's at Sheena's house or if Sheena had logged in 
to her sister's phone to check her Instagram because she didn't have her phone on her for whatever reason. Yeah. And it stayed logged in. It would connect her sister's Instagram to Sheena's. So therefore, anything that is logged into the same device that Sheena is logged in on any device would then be blocked. Yeah. That's so that's what... how it can get webbed out like that. Yeah. Um, we then go to Lala at her apartment. She's with her mom, who apparently lives with her now. The, her mom's like basically upended to move in to help with Ocean as well. Like so, and Lala talked before about how like her mom feels like kind of is assumed the role of kind of like a co-parent in many right. ways, and that is kind of like the dynamic that she wants. She said recently in an interview that she's also considering uh, IUI. So like, I think that's I like the path that Lala's kind of like you know made out for herself. Yeah. Um, her brother Easton is also living in the same apartment complex and moved in. So it's like you have, she has her like community basically. Good um, for her. Yeah. Uh, Lala talks a bit about like getting the custody stuff worked out with Randall and how it's basically reached that point. She details in the confessional very explicitly. She says his biggest thing is I don't want to give her full legal because that means that she can put ocean on Vanderpump rules, but I'll give her final say on education and health. Well, that's all I fucking want. I don't give a fuck about putting her on Vanderpump rules. Yeah. Which I thought it was so interesting that they just like blatant, can blatantly say like the show. Like, you know what I mean? At one point, Ariana later references watch what happens live. And I'm like, oh, you, we can do that now? Not even in a confessional. It was in a scene. Because it used to always be on these housewives shows like when we went to New York or right. like, you know, like it's like I thought that was a good change. I'd rather have that. Yeah. Right. We know it's a reality show. Stop acting like it's not. Stop acting like the cameras aren't here. Yeah. And I think, like, while I, I, I think Lala is being truthful, where she's like, I don't care about putting Ocean on Vanderpump rules. That's not my goal. Here's the thing I think she should have a right to. I understand what the way the legal system works and how that, you know. And part of me gets why it is the way it is, but it's like, I, I do feel bad for people on reality television that don't get to show the full scale of their lives in that regard and sort of give a full range of yeah because who they it, are. at a certain point it's like it gives the ability to document right yeah you know like I guess nowadays we're we are so like taking pictures all the time of each other and our kids and all of those sorts of things but like back in the day that's what people would say all the time it's like I have a documented like sort of like right you know real of like every you know big moment in our lives so um lala talks about how the custody battle has made her sort of put her own trauma on the back burner and so this year is kind of about her confronting that she's like i gotta go through the emotions or everyone around me is fucked basically it's i was telling you this when we were watching it it's amazing to see how much lala has grown since her first season yeah but also how she stay true stayed true to who she is in the midst of that growth. Yeah. Like it's, it's a very interesting character study. She tells her mom, like, I mean, like even it's just manifesting in everything. Like I look at everyone, Ariana gets a new man. I'm like, what's his motive? And is upset. The fact that she can't look at men. Right. Without that. And like that's I, trauma for you. That's yeah, exactly. And I think, well, and I think the, the, the discussion about like, well, you know, some people are kind of questioning Dan's intentions. Um, I've seen, like, I think not from, like, any, like, explicit evidence, but more just, like, yeah, it's like when you rebound from a relationship like that so quickly, like, you have to, like, you know. Like, I I, I actually, from the, and we'll see more of him on the season. The first episode that we see of him, I actually like Dan. I think he's very sweet with Ariana. 
Like, but I, I also understand trepidation when you're somebody that's like really experienced the worst in that. And like, you know, um, yeah, we then see James and Schwartz going out to dinner together and Schwartz brings him a plant for the new house and a candle. It's like, you're going to get obsessed with these, you know, he, and he literally gives him the candle and goes, hit that. It's like an olfactory delight. I need Schwartz to stop with this. It feels even more like an act than before. You know what I mean? Like yeah. in in seasons two, three, what it didn't feel this put on and yeah. to where now it feels like a mask. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. I mean, maybe if we went back and watched it again, it would feel that way. Maybe we're just more, we're on to him now. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, James goes, <laughs> James says it's like citrus pissing the scent. Which it's like, that's a way to put it. You're still. Yeah, but then Schwartz mishears him and says, Citrus pussy. <laughs> it was like, okay, we have lost the plot, jumped the shark, all the things. And we're back. And it's like, and we're back to the men acting like children. <laughs> um, Schwartz, Schwartz has a Schwartz and Sandy hat on. And he goes, This is the first time I wore this hat in public. Like, I was worried that I might get a boo. It's like, okay, <laughs> cool. But then he goes, the biggest fight I ever been in in my life with Tom Sandoval was the name of the bar. He campaigned so hard, Mr. Marketing Genius, to put that name on the side of the building. And when you do that, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard. And I'm like, correct. Yeah, that's yes, Schwartz. You are completely right in that. Also, by the way, can you forgive Katie then? Because Katie called it out way before you did. Well, and the thing is, is that Katie was just advocating for what Schwartz wanted. Because Schwartz right. was the first one that said he didn't like it. And then Katie said, then you need to say something about it. Because he didn't have the balls to do it. And it's like... <sighs> Katie was too good for him. Really? I just, like, Katie has her flaws, but, like, he never deserved her. Yeah. Schwartz says in his confessional, restaurant reservations are down. You know, the bunch of the staff has quit. People have been harassing servers, coming in there with a vengeance. Like, it was toxic. I don't, I feel like he is, oh, I, unless there is evidence to the contrary, and maybe I am wrong, I don't know. I feel like he's over-exaggerating that people were harassing servers. What, because to me, like, even if you're the biggest, like, Ariana fan, why are you harassing waitstaff? Like, that doesn't make any sense. The waitstaff, you know the waitstaff didn't do anything. Right, but, like, people, like, I I don't agree, and I didn't at the time, and I still don't didn't agree with people leaving awful reviews. Right. Uh, like sure. I, it's like you're taking money out of the wait staff's pockets. Yeah. Um, like I didn't like the fact that people vandalized their bathrooms um, because who's going to have to clean that? It's not Schwartz. It's yeah. not Sandoval. It's their wait staff. Now it should be. Uh, absolutely should be, but it's not, it's yeah. not going to be them. It's going to be the people that work for them who are innocent in this. That I agree with. Yeah. But Schwartz says, right now I have a lot of resentment for Tom Sandoval. He said, I'm sorry for putting you in a fucked up position and essentially using you as a shield for my affair. And I'm like, go into detail more about that. What do you mean by that? Using you as a shield. Because so Rachel on her podcast recently had, is basically saying that Schwartz knew from the very, very beginning. She's, she... She is like, like she's figuring it out that that that's the case because the day after the sex in the car in front of their home, he, Sandoval had called her to talk about it from Schwartz's apartment. 
Now that doesn't mean that Schwartz was there. Yeah, but also the, there's she also details how Schwartz's apartment basically became like the hideout den for them to have sex and to do all this stuff away from Ariana. She claims like Schwartz tried to like put his foot down at points, but like he would renege obviously because it's Schwartz and like you know all that. So it's like there was stuff. I do think that it's even more, you know. W- it's it's even more complicity than like even we knew at the end of last season. The thing is, is we are never going to know fully, and that is frustrating because it means that we can never truly know whether someone has been accountable for all the things they need to be accountable. Yeah, for. I, yeah, that's frustrating. Um, I would love for them to just start with something because I I'm still kind of right. I still feel like take Schwartz, ownership for anything. I still feel like Schwartz doesn't get it. We'll get right. we'll get to it. Schwartz talks about like everything he's been through in the last year with the divorce and the restaurant and her, his brother having that cancer scare and stuff like that. And like I I feel for him in that regard one thousand percent. You know what what bring what comes to mind here when we're talking about Schwartz and how he doesn't know how to apologize. It I. Um, I have been rewatching Grey's Anatomy and all mm-hmm. the uh, satellite shows that come out of it, uh, private practice and all of that. Um, there, there was a spot on there where a character was trying to apologize to his wife for something. And one of the other characters who is a shrink was like, look, you need to show her that you understand where she's coming from. She needs to be seen. Right. And that's when she's going to be able to forgive you. And then he turns around and gives a generic, you know, I understand where you're coming from. I really see what you've been through. And she goes, what is it that you understand? And he doesn't have an answer. And he goes, I don't know. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, but that's the thing. Schwartz knows that he needs to apologize, but he doesn't understand why he's apologizing. Like you said. right? And he doesn't like... Because he can't put himself in someone else's shoes. Right. He can't say, how have I betrayed Ariana? Right. What did I do that made her upset? Yeah. Schwartz tells James, part of me felt a little bit banished from the group, like a pariah. And James goes, I know the feeling. (laughs) Yeah. And then Schwartz says, thank you for extending some empathy and realizing that I'm not Tom Sandoval. James then says, You're your best Tom when you're just Tom. You're not your best Tom when you're Tom Tom. Sorry. Which I I was really glad James said that. Yes, I was. I James gets to say that. But the fact that Schwartz started it by saying, I'm not Tom Sandoval. I'm Tom Schwartz. Well, he he keeps reiterating the. I need people to realize that, and he he does he did this at the end of the finale last season, where he was like, "Can you release a statement?" Because they're thinking that I'm also do like you're missing the point, dude. Like you're missing the complete point. And he says, "You are culpable." Yeah, and he makes the joke about like I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Like it's like that's not the point. That's not the fucking point, dude. And then Schwartz, uh, Schwartz says he's happy to be in a good pace with James in spite of the kiss with Raquel, which I also find so annoying that it's like, it makes it about, I get that it offended James rightfully so. Cause that was his ex, but it's like, but then again, you still don't seemingly understand why Katie was mad. Right. So you understood why he was mad, but not why Katie was. So that's goes back to, you see that he has a reason for you to 
to be upset for you kissing his property. Right. But your ex-property doesn't have the reason to be upset because she was property. She's not a person. She's property because she's a woman. Yeah. Um, James then also says that he's not drinking because he orders like an espresso or whatever. And that he, well, he's California sober. He still smokes. Right. But like, I actually think James looks great. Like he he, really does. You really see that like he definitely feels better and like more sober and more like, you know, he's not as ornery. Like he, he seems more in tune with himself. Right. And he says that it was a decision he made and Allie did not give him an ultimatum. Right. And I think that that was the main thing because every time he's gotten sober beforehand, it's been, I have to get sober because Vanderpump is forcing me to. I have to get sober because Allie is forcing me to. Or Raquel. Or Raquel is forcing me to. Or whatever. He's never done it on his own terms. Yeah. And I think that's what made the difference here. And I think that's what's going to make this ultimately stick. Um, I, I just, he he looks so much more at ease with himself. Yeah. You really get that vibe. Yeah. Um, James asked if him and Ariana have spoken and Schwartz goes, I mean, in her mind, like I'm an extension of Tom Sandoval. Like, I don't know. No, it's not that you're an extension of Tom Sandoval. It's that you were also involved in this bullshit. It's that she saw scenes of you on the show spreading the narrative that Sandoval wanted out, that she was the problem in the relationship. She was terrible to him. She was doing all this stuff. And then she saw you making jokes at her expense in about like, I feel like Rachel's just like interested in somebody else. And like the joke at the glamping, like she's like, uh, it pisses me off. Um, we then go to Sheena and Ariana and they're going for a spa day, um, get together. And Ariana, this is where Ariana talks more about Dan and how she met him like 10 days after everything blew up at a friend's wedding. And they just sort of hit it off and they're long distance. He's in New York, et cetera. Um, they cut to Sheena saying, I don't think Ariana has fully processed the trauma with Tom, but as long as Dan doesn't sleep with Ariana's best friend, he's already a giant step up from her. Literally. And I think I understand the worry of just like making sure that you've processed everything and making sure. But I also think Ariana, like Ariana says, like I'm in therapy. I'm like, I think she is doing the work. I do too. The thing is, is that I think she lucked out and that Dan is a good guy because she could have easily latched on to someone who wasn't good right but because she's so used to being in a long-term relationship i don't know that she would be able to keep it surface level because she is so traumatized and i don't see him seeing somebody that like is even like gravitating gravitating towards the cameras necessarily or right or her newfound fame because of all this like he'll like you'll see him like maybe in the crowd of dancing with the stars supporting her but you don't see him like so front-facing right she has he hasn't been in commercials with her that she's been doing. Yeah. He's not like doing a guest starring role in that lifetime movie or anything. And like it, he's not clinging to her stardom. And with how much Sandoval always took away from Ariana's stardom with like Oh, the, you mean putting his name on her drink book? Yeah, and all that stuff. Like I think it's great for her to have someone that just supports her. Yeah. You know. Um, they're talk- Sheena uh, says that, oh, I'm not drinking uh, because she's on like a trial for like Zoloft because uh, for her OCD, which I saw some people, I, I some people being like, how is this becoming like Sheena's issue? Like th- she makes a comment later at the end, which I do think is more a case of Sheena doing that. But it's like, 
I, I also understand, like, I mean, OCD is OCD. If you're diagnosed right. with it, you have it. And, like, she said she got diagnosed even, like, six months before everything happened. So it was, like, something that was already, I think her pregnancy also, like, you know, yeah. was a big factor in that. Um, Sheena asked, how are you with Schwartz? And uh, Ariana goes, I haven't blocked on everything. Like, when we last talked, I said, you know, we're not going to have a relationship, but not actively, like, saying fuck off, which we saw on the show. So then he did watch what happens live and was like, people need to go and hug him. And like the whole talking about Sandoval. Yeah. And she goes, so I texted him and blocked him. Ariana says they're confessional. I don't remember exactly what I said to Schwartz, but I don't think it was that bad. And then they got to Schwartz reading it. It says, fuck you blocking your number. Go chuck on Sandoval's dirty ass. dick." <laughs> and then Schwartz literally goes for, for the record. I've never choked on his dick. It's like, well, yeah, because when you're a pro, you don't choke. Yeah, exactly. So, Schwartz, documented throat go. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, okay. Uh, Sheena asked Ariana if she's going to go to TomTom, Tom, though, for James's DJing event. And Ariana's like, you know, if they're there, like, I'll just go into the bathroom stall and take a shit. <laughs> like, so she's, she seems pretty cool about the whole thing. Um, we then go, everyone's getting ready for James's event. Lala and Sheena are getting ready together. Sheena going, do you know how many people ask me if I'm on, on Ozempic lately? I say, no, it's Scandoval. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, but uh, th- there's a little darkness in a lot of that humor of that joke. Ma'am. Yeah. Mm. Um, Ariana's getting ready and she's FaceTiming Dan. She says like, yeah, I'm like nervous. And Dan goes, what are you nervous? Th- just the way he said, like, what are you nervous about? Felt so genuine and just like not like yeah like he that he actually cared you know what I mean. Ariana says in the confessional, I shouldn't have to make my life smaller because Tom messed everything up. And if I go there and make new memories, maybe it won't have power over me anymore, and I can look at it as just some bar. Right. Which I yeah I I, I was really glad of that. We go to the actual DJ set at Tom Tom. There was just something really great. The the also editors amazing job. Yeah. This was a great edit episode. The scene of Ariana and Katie walking in arm in arm as, oh. as they flash to when they first walk into Tom Tom arm in arm for the Broke opening. My heart. Yeah, and it's like, and for both of them, right? Yeah. Like, it's like so, like, you know. Um, they sit at the table with all the other women, and Ariana goes, Do I have to sit right here again? Because it's the exact fucking spot where, like. Jesus fucking Christ. And Sheena goes, You're in better company this time. Um, Lisa's there as well. She says hi to everyone. Uh, Logan's getting drink orders, and Schwartz comes up to. Now, hold on. Wasn't Kristen with her that night? Oh well, yeah. yeah. That's not better company. Sure. The, I, I'm also interested why Lala and have you seen Lala and Kristen don't like each other? Apparently, like they're really like. Yeah, I don't understand that. Yeah, we'll be interested. We will be reviewing the Valley. Uh, yeah, when it comes out like, in a couple eight months. weeks. Yeah, so that should be. Ins- I'm glad to see Chris and Dodie back. I'm, yes. Yeah. Um, Schwartz uh, is asking if they want drinks, and then Schwartz goes, "Hi, Ariana," and Ariana just ignores him basically, like gives them the look, and then just turns away. And then Schwartz, this is where I was like, "Fuck you, Schwartz." I'm I, like, this is where I was like, not going to give Schwartz anything after this point. Yeah. Now, you know, she he says his confessional. Ariana has the wall up. She is an ice queen. I understand that she has this exalted status, 
Queen Ariana, patron saint of scorned women. But until that ice melts, I feel like it's going to be hard to make inroads with the rest of the girls. Fuck you. I'm sorry. Like, that tells me you don't understand shit about not just her emotions in terms of you, but anything. Although I will say the title, patron patron saint of scorned women, kind of badass. Yeah. I, I, I think she'll take that with pride, personally. Honestly. But it's just also, so like, like I said, with, like, him, like, being so sympathetic to James and what he did to him. And for him to say something like patron saint of scorned women, because it's not just an attack on Ariana. It's attack on, like, all the women in the group, by the way. Right. And it's like, you you clearly think so less of women. Yeah. And I don't know where that's been instilled in you, but it's like, it is so toxic. I mean, his family's real bro I think I th- there's something in that family dynamic or something that's Something like, in the milk I clean. And for him to also be like, until she, her ice melts, I can't make inroads with the other women. As if those other women don't have other, don't fuck with you for other reasons. Right. Katie has a whole laundry list of reasons she doesn't fuck with you. Yeah. Ariana's getting choked up you know, being in the space again. And Sheena like reaches over to grab her hand and like Lisa's comforting her. Sheena tells her, I love you. And Ariana's like, it's it's just weird. And then we see the compilation of like all the moments with Tom and Ariana and Tom, Tom. And like one he has aged like milk. Oh, he looks trash now. It's so weird. And she's like, you can barely tell time has passed for her. Yeah. But like, he looks awful. If anything, she looks better. Yeah. But like, yeah. Like, and it's just like, also, from just an emotional standpoint, I felt really bad for Ariana watching that compilation. But also, to to watch this episode after that Nick Vile podcast, where Sandoval is like, she, I felt so belittled with her. She never supported me. She always looked down. Bull fucking shit. I am so sorry. You would never, you are never, I get it's a reality show and stuff happens off, you know, nothing on a reality show you can take with a hundred percent, you know, grain of salt. But like, you are not going to have me believe that this woman belittled you and treated you like shit and didn't support you and didn't advocate for you and didn't do all this fucking shit to elevate you. Like, if I remember correctly, uh, the person who didn't support was the boyfriend who went to Vegas on the anniversary of her father's death. To smash things with bulldozers. To smash things with bulldozers. That seems pretty unsupportive. Right. Instead of supporting her cocktail book, insisted on putting his name on it when he had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, Like, all of these things that he took from her or didn't support her in and you want to say that this woman who was in the front row of every single one of your fucking shitty ass cover bands concerts yeah fuck you the worst um lala asked lisa if she can pull her to the side at one point so they go off um before we get to the conversation schwartz comes up to ariana again to be like hi ari I hate when he does. I, he he should have left it alone. He did this all last season too, where it's yeah. just like, get, take a fucking hint. I'm sorry. Um, Lala tells Lisa, they're sitting down and she goes, I'm feeling a lot of different ways about this Raquel situation. After taking a step back, what Raquel said about if I go against Tom, I don't have anybody. What I can relate to is feeling isolated. And well, okay, so we kind of have to look at this whole Lala Raquel stuff this episode like two ways. I think there's part of it that Lala genuinely believes in terms of like I do, and I think like watching that those last five minutes where she breaks down and like she kind of inadvertently exposes how the the 
um, narcissistic elements of how Tom manipulated her. Right. To, like, pit her against everybody. Like, that is illuminating. It was illuminating for us watching it in many ways. So I think Lala, I think Lala truly felt something. I think she was on Watch What Happens Live that night and even expressed it then that she felt something that was, yeah. like, you know, with that. That's one part of this. The other part of this is that we were at a point in time in filming where they weren't sure if Rachel was coming back or not. Right. And so they needed a way to get her back in. Right. And Lisa's very open. Like, when Lala says this, Lisa's, like, bug-eyed. Like, like yes. Like, like Well, because we had heard this, right? We had heard that Lala reached out to Rachel and that um, then production asked Rachel to go and have a sit-down with Vanderpump, and she refused. Yeah. Like, we, which, we knew all of this coming into this season. Which, honestly, fine. I like I know Emily on She Speaks Bravo said this a lot, which is just like I also don't think when she was in a mental health facility was the time to negotiate her contract. No. From like a like I think she I think I do think there was still a part of it that was money related that right. she's not being completely honest where it's like I wanted to I couldn't do that to Ariana. That's not fully honest. Right. But like I also think on Bravo's end, don't pursue her when she's like, you right. know I do think that Rachel owes her a scene. Sure next season yeah some form of apology some form of growth something i think that would be nice right yeah um lala says in her confessional i know what it's like to have a guy tell you you're his soulmate and you see your future and you're willing to risk it all so much that you ignore everyone saying that you're the other woman and then she starts crying and she goes and the hardest part about that me being labeled a homewrecking whore all the names that i've been called when you lay it all out there they're all true and I was like, oh, that ma- that made me feel bad because it's like, yeah. no, they aren't really all true, right? Like, like, like you didn't know. You cannot be. It's different than what happened with Rachel because Rachel knew what she was doing. Yeah, was she being lied to by Sandoval? Very likely, but she at the very least knew that Ariana was still in this house. That well, Ariana was off. You know burying family members while she's fucking her boyfriend in the in their house yeah probably uh, in their bed yeah you know like there's acts there's added elements you know there there's a difference between that and what happened between you and randall right there's the part of it of like to to a certain point someone is telling me one thing and then my the person who is devoting himself to me is saying a completely different thing. Right. Because like, that's what happened with Randall, right? She was being told by other people, he has, he's married, blah, blah, blah. And, like, he was showing, according to Lala, was showing her evidence from, like, the therapy sessions where they broke up and all that. So, like, there, that element is connected in terms of the two situations. But like you said, there are added parts to it where it makes it, makes it more culpable on Rachel's end. Because Rachel could have had a road back, right? If she had, after that initial... Fuckination. Yeah. If she had gone to Ariana and said, this is what happened. He told me you're broken up. Is that true? Yeah. No. Okay. This is what happened. I know that I broke your trust. I know that we're probably never going to be friends again. But I was given false pretense. But I was lied to and you deserve the truth. Yeah. If that had happened... Rachel would still be on this show. She would be, I think, in a much better situation mentally 
because she wouldn't have had to carry that weight of it, right? Yeah. Because whether she did wrong or not in your in somebody's eyes, she still had to get, carry the weight of that guilt for months right. of keeping that secret. But I think it outweighed, like, the, the idea of, kind of what Lala talks about, like, the idea of the future with him outweighed it. And that's why she didn't make that move. But the thing is, is that there can't, there couldn't have been a future under under the, those false, you know. Right. She needed to verify the information. Yeah, I agree. I think she has a lot of growing up to do, and I think yeah. like that's also been the thing with her, you know. Yeah. Um, Lisa tells Lala, "Part of me can't believe that she had the balls to stand up to him," which I do think is true. Well, she had the balls to stand up to him, but then she was continuing to try and date him afterwards. So like, so. yeah, it was, it was it was weird. Lisa goes, I'm happy you aren't as rigid in your position on her. Maybe she can do with somebody to talk to. Lisa is the first one to say this. And it's so producer. Lisa's a producer. Um, Katie and Sheena are then talking about them evolving in their relationship. Katie's like, I enjoy us hanging out. You know, I don't want to revisit anything that happened last summer. I want to be able to trust you with the small things and that they're not going to come back against me, basically. Like what happened last year. And Sheena says, I am so sorry for that. And that will not happen again. And like, I, I liked, I like the evolution of this. Like, I will, I believe that Sheena means that in this moment, it will remain to be seen whether she holds up her end of the deal. Right. Because I mean, over the last 10 years, we have seen that Sheena is not someone that can be trusted long-term. And it's been really hard with Sheena and Katie for the entire... Like, when they showed all the flashbacks, I was like, yeah, they've never been good. So it's like... No. I mean, and part of that was Stassi mean-girling, right? Like, we we get that. We know that there was a divide that was not necessarily fair. Yeah. But some of that was completely fair. Yeah. Sheena says her confessional, it's much easier to bond when we have a common enemy and we don't have just one now, we have two. Right. Which I'm like, I'm glad she's lumping Schwartz in that. Um, Lala, we see then Lala go out onto the loading dock. I love the tweet someone we posted, whoever it was, I whoever it is, I love you, posted a tweet about like, it's like we unlocked another level in a video game. We've went from the Sir back alley to the Tom Tom loading dock. <laughs> Uh, um, and she basically sends a voice message to Rachel saying that she would like to have a conversation. And again, also the editing of like Lala just being like so nervous about this because Rachel just saw it. You can tell that she saw it or whatever. And she's nervous. And they just cut to these like slow-mo scenes of everyone in Tom Tom celebrating with like quick, quick flashes from last year of everything that happened. Like, like it's like Ariana like dancing, like, like slow motion dancing with like cuts to her yelling at Tom in the house. And yeah. like, it's, it was really well done. Yeah. Beautifully done. Yeah. Um, we then see, go to Schwartz's apartment. She, he's juicing. He's really just hitting all the midlife crisis, like bullet point, like w- with later the stuff with the bugs, like this juicing all the time, the plants. It's just like everything. Like it was real weird. Yeah. Um, he says it sounds like a, he, the dog gets scared or whatever. And he's like, sorry, it sounds like a ghost orgasming. Ew. Okay. Katie stops by for a dog exchange. Um, I love how she walks in and he goes, you want to sit down for a minute? She goes, ugh. I guess <laughs> <laughs> she's so over him, but she's like, oh, we're going to film this fucking show. He's like, I'm like, I'm Mike. He's like, I'm Mike. She's like, I'm Mike. And you know, there's a camera on me. Well, as well, might as well get a paycheck today. Yeah. Katie says her confessional besides the dogs, Tom doesn't get access to my life. Last summer, the way that he spoke about me, that's not how my friends treat me. And I was like, period. 
Yeah. 1,000%. And I wish they showed in the, they showed the flashbacks and stuff and the stuff was bad. I wish they showed what he said on Watch What Happens Live about her being a monster. At that point, there's no point of return. Well, yeah. I mean, they didn't even show what they, what he was saying to her, like the, like horrendous, abusive bullshit he was saying to her in that restaurant in Mexico. Yeah. Like that to me was the worst of it. The mm. way he treated her at that dinner was horrendous. Like I I just there's no words for how nasty that was. Yeah. Uh Schwartz goes, Ariana's not happy with me. Maybe if it's right and it like comes up in the right moment, you know, you could maybe be like, Schwartz wants to chat with you, you know, on your time and Katie. No. <laughs> why what does Katie why does Katie have to be your carrier pigeon? You just, but also, why would she, like, she has no reason to advocate for you because she doesn't believe in you. Exactly. She doesn't believe, you haven't even made up with Katie. Why should she try to get you on good terms with Ariana when you're not on good terms with Katie? Exactly. Period. Fix that first. Yeah. Shorts is like, I just hope there can be a friendship again because I really like Ariana. And Katie goes, she's way cooler than Tom Sandoval. <laughs> Schwartz goes, he's with a drill sergeant. He's going to boot camp. And then Katie goes, I hope he cries. <laughs> and then Schwartz goes, I mean, he cries a lot. Spoiler alert, he does cry a lot on oh, that show. Oh, he blubbers like a baby on that show. Jesus Christ. It's all performative. It so is. He has, a, like, again, uh, we won't get into it. <laughs> fucking terrible um the ladies then all get together for like a girls night all four of them this was just so cool seeing all four of them together and just like the girl power dynamic yeah. she's showing off her bag to lala and lala's like it katie's like i have a bag just like that lala's like i thought yours was alexander wang and she goes it is and and lala's like this is from amazon though <laughs> she knows. yeah just like and you can tell they just have a, such a good rapport and dynamic it feels yeah. really genuine Katie goes, I saw Tom uh, today. He has pet bugs. And they flashed to Katie being like, no, get the fuck away from me. I'm going to swish it. Like, no. Like, terrible. Katie goes, he mentioned missing you. And Ariana goes, well, that's too bad. (laughs) Lala then goes, can I play devil advocate for one moment? And then Ariana in her confessional goes, the devil doesn't need any more advocates. I'll just say that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm so sick of the devil's advocate. Like, you know, like very rarely is it necessary. And like, you know, Uh, but Lala Lala makes a fair point. She goes, I do think that Schwartz needs to make some moves and change the direction of his life. Basically being like, it's on Schwartz to do this. Don't get me wrong. But you also have to think about the amount of mental abuse that Sandoval has inflicted upon him for many fucking years, which fair. I think. And, And good on Lala for being able to see that. And say, I see what it is like to ha- to be with someone who has abused you and, like, mentally completely screwed up the way that you see the world. Yeah. And I see that echoed here. And so th- while he's not innocent by any means, there's still this element here. And I think this is the first time we've actually talked about it on the proper show, right? right. Of, like, Schwartz is being manipulated and abused by this man. Does yeah. He- I mean, look, when... They were in Vegas, and, uh, you know, Sandoval kicked open the bathroom door and said he's a battered wife. He was talking about him and and Schwartz, not Schwartz and Katie. 1,000%. Ariana goes, yeah, like, it's the layers of unlearning that I just started. 
she says, I wanted to get closer to Katie for a long time. And I was always hesitant because Tom Sandoval was always like, just be careful. And that's so fucking true. Yeah. And that, and so obvious. And it's so frustrating that like Sandoval was putting wedges between like. Well, because that's what a narcissist does. Yeah. Isolate. Like they isolate their victims so that they have no out. So that they have no way to get away from them. And then flips it on her and right. acts like she was the one doing it. Right. It's so fucking awful. Lala then asked, do you think that's still happening? Because I feel like you have your guard up with me still. And Ariana goes, I don't feel like that now. Lala's like, I can't tell if you like me or like tolerate me at times. And Ariana goes, I like you, babe. No, like I like you. Yeah. Which I understand. Like Lala and Ariana have always have been like up and down. Yeah. In many ways. Well, and, and Lala also is still like deprogramming, right? From yeah. Randall. And so I, she doesn't know what is real what those what perceptions are real and what's clouded by randall and i also think lala is holding on to and i i want her to maybe vocalize this down the line i think she's holding on remember in the bonus the um extra whatever the extra scene episode whatever where they showed raquel talking to tom and ariana about um the girls trip in like havasu and all that and how like charlie was making comments about lala being a mistress and like all this stuff and how Ariana kind of was like right. lend, lending credence. To yeah, like, but I can't. Again, she was within that whole bullshit right. at that point. Yeah, I agree. And, and but I understand why Lala. Right. I understand why it makes Lala feel a certain way. Right. Um, Lala says, I know I can be very intense, but behind closed doors, I'm very sensitive. And Ariana goes, We're very similar in that, and I think they are. Like they're yeah. very similar individuals. Lala says, I just feel like I'm the dog in everyone's fight, and I just left to defend myself a lot of the time. And she breaks down crying. Ariana comforts her and says, I'm sorry that I didn't trust your judgment, which I think is important for Lala right. here. Well, and it also sets up, I think, it. this is the beginning of that context, right, of the I don't see why she got cheated on and now she's a god. Yeah. Because I think there's part of that that's in Lala's Because head. it's about everybody abandoned her. Right. I think people attribute it to jealousy in terms of like brand deals and like this. I really don't think that's what it is. No. I think it's like that. She did get, she didn't get the support. Right. In the same. She wanted like actual support. Like, you know, someone to be there for her in terms of that. Like, right. Ariana says, I want us to like inner circle our asses off. Like I want us to be, you know, together. Lala goes, you know, with the moment that we just had, I feel like I have to be very honest with you. And I was like, oh no, oh no. But then, but here's the thing. I think Lala's in a rock and a hard place with this stuff. And I actually think it's, I, some people were being like, I can't believe Lala said that told Ariana that she contacted Rachel. I'm glad she did. I think it would have been better I think it would have been worse if she didn't tell Ariana. Yeah, because Ariana has had things kept from her for a long fucking time. Right. And had people close to her betray her and not tell her the truth. So that would likely trigger her. Right. So I think Lala realized that and was like, look, if we're going to be close and we're going to be friends and we're going to be, you know, this inner circle, I need to be honest with you. Yeah. And we're we're not going to start this off with a lie. We're going to be honest. Yeah. And Lala tells her this. And Katie's face. And the way Katie's just like eating fries. Like, you know, like <laughs> please go on. Katie's like, are we going to get another Emmy? <laughs> <laughs> Bitch. I'm picking out my dress. Um, yeah. 
uh, Ariana says in her confessional, and I think Ariana has a point. Ariana says, it is kind of wild that if you think about it, because for maybe a year, if anyone interacted with Lala's ex, she was ready to murder them, cut his balls off, fuck you. I just feel that if the shoe was on the other foot and I was reaching out to Randall's mistress, I wouldn't think Lala would be very happy about it. And I think that's true. And yes, Lala was saying that last season of like anyone like Schwartz was doing pickleball with Randall. And but again, she never put a boundary around the mistress. She put a, a, a boundary around Randall and Ariana put the same boundary out there at the end of last season. Right. She said, I will not have mutual friends with Sandoval. Yeah. That boundary is the same. Nobody has mentioned the mistress. Nobody has. She did not put a boundary in place around Rachel. Like, yeah, th- those are different. Yeah. And I think Ariana, I was happy with Ariana's response to the stuff with Lala because I feel like she softened some of her position, like some of the hardline position. Part of it's because of the show. Right. But also I think she has grown and has evolved in many ways to be like, you know, I can just, I, it's not about me. Like I can just like, you know, I know who I am. I'm working on myself. I'm, I'm pushing forward. And right. so, you know, um, I just need to have the trust. And if there's a trust, it's fine. Um, Ariana says, my feeling is like whatever work she's doing, I hope the best for her over there. Right. <laughs> Which I think is also like, I think that's big of her. Yeah. I think Ariana has realized that as much as, Rachel was a perpetrator. She was also a victim. Yeah. But also I can't be friends with her. Right. For my own sake. Yeah. Right. Well, and she's never going to be able to trust her again. Yeah. And she goes, but she's still doing the same stuff. She's still in contact with him and they're sending packages back and forth to each other, which I agree where it's like, I understand. She's kind of saying like, I understand Lala, the incentive of like what you're describing, but like you have to understand there's by all intents and purposes, they're still in a relationship together. Right. From all we know. So it's not really, you know. Yeah. Um, Lala goes, look, I know they're communicating, but hear me out. My ex had me sign an NDA and Katie kind of cuts her off and goes, but Lala, it doesn't always apply. Like, and I get, I think Katie's point is like, I think Katie can see Lala because Katie and Lala are close enough where Katie knows that Lala reads, like she said before, reads a lot into men's actions and sort of like takes her situation, maybe puts it in places where it doesn't right. necessarily always apply. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, Ariana goes, I mean, she knew better. She literally came over to my house one time when I was crying, maybe like January. And it was very clear Tom and I were still together and she was consoling me. And it's like. Heinous. Heinous. Fucking terrible. Lala goes, look, I know she's like your guys' little sister. And Sheena goes, I was a champion for her too. For what she did also to me. Let's not forget about that too. And I'm like, okay, Sheena. 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 <laughs> I know you haven't spoken in this scene yet, but like, chill the fuck out. And she said in her confessional, this bitch put a temporary restraining order on me and that changes everything. (laughs) Like, because she was saying like, if it would be one thing if it was just an affair, essentially, which like, yeah, I get it. Um, Ariana says, I feel like there are some types of people who look at those conversations as a foot in the door and there's no foot to be had. Right. Which, again, I think Ariana is clear-headed and not, like, being overly emotional and just, like, setting boundaries. And I think that's important. And Lala hears her, I feel, you know. And Lala tells her, like, I'm in your corner. And Ariana's like, I'm not mad at you. So, like, you know, we're all good, basically. And they all cheers and they have a good time. 
And then we end the episode with this fucking end scene. This is the jump scare. The jump scare of the season where fucking Tom pulls up. He's back from New Zealand. He enters the house. It's late at night. It's it's literally filmed like, like he's the breaking serial into killer the house. broke into the house and the the you know the the woman that lives alone is hiding upstairs in the closet and you know he's stalking around the house you know that's that's how it's filmed right it's terrifying it's so scary um yeah that was Vanderpump Rules a great premiere I thought it, you know again we will see how things go now that Sandoval is in the mix so <laughs> we'll we'll be ranting probably a lot. Um, okay, so let's move on into Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for this week. Um, I, again, love this episode. And I thought, like well, like I was saying before, a very emotional episode in many ways. Like, I I tweeted about it on the Gay and the Zemby page. Like, I, this is an episode where we finally get to see Sutton in her full, like, character and, like, sort of, like, seeing her well-roundedness as a human being. And I found like that this is what I've always been missing from Sutton in many ways. Mm-hmm. I knew it was there, but we never, they never showed it really. Right. And like, yeah, this is, I, I just really love this whole thing. Yeah. I, I really thought this was great. We got to see, you know, Garcelle in a new light, you know, um, her and I, I really just love her and Erica being horny together. No, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's so good. Um, like literally the only thing that pissed me off about this episode was Erica's comments about Crystal. We'll get to it. Cause again, it's a little one step forward, three steps back with Erica slightly. <sighs> um, we come back and crystal. We're still tending the crystal uh, out, uh, outside of the car when she's freaking out and her veins are popping out. Crystal's like, these are like stroke symptoms. And she's like really freaking. She explains later that she has a history in her family of stuff to where like she had to be very wary of like when things feel like a stroke. And so like she thinks that's essentially what's happening. Um, and they, okay. Whatever it gets to move the group forward cool but they're really playing up this like Anna Marie really was there for Crystal and really like swooped in they act like she did like brain surgery on her she just was like there for her I don't like which is nice as a human but yeah but she didn't do anything that anybody else could have done yeah like I don't get it um like she literally she just tells Crystal uh, to lay down in the car or whatever because it's better great like I don't like what does that like do I don't know like and for but it's just for Anna Marie to be like in her confessional talking about this is really scary with Crystal, but giving Crystal repeatedly insulting and degrading my profession. The irony of what's happening right now is literally shocking. I'm like, there's no irony because she didn't insult your profession. She didn't want, yeah, she didn't insult your profession. So it's the and the fact that she's still on Watch What Happens Live, still saying that it's like, no, shut up. You're, you, she just noted that you're a fucking liar. Like, well, I don't remember who it is that said it. it I think it was, it may have been on Twitter. It may have been somebody, one of the, the big accounts, podcast account things. But somebody said, you know, what was really insulting to your profession is the fact that you keep overestimating your job title. Yeah. Like, you're the one who is not confident in your profession, not anybody else. Right. Yeah, it's just it's just great. I mean, and again, she's nice to Crystal, and I think that's good as a human. Yeah, but it's like I, I don't get the connection. No, 
Um, Crystal's blood pressure is 177 over 108, which is really high. So, like, that's what it, what the, basically the issue is. And they go to take her to the, os- uh, the hospital. Um, Sutton, so, but they're right by the, I didn't realize that they were literally right by the church. It's, like, on top of this, like, giant, like, swirling yeah. road, which I think is kind of cool. Um, Sutton says, okay, so let's light a candle. And Erica goes, I already did this shit. And Gar- cause I guess like in the time that Crystal was being tended to, she goes in to the church and does like a prayer. Like, <laughs> and then uh. I love Crystal going, okay, well maybe don't say shit around a church. <laughs> <laughs> um, Erica, Erica talks about, I, I, I literally forgot that she had that chapel in her house with Tom wild, like, which was so odd at the time. <laughs> like, I, I, I completely forgot about that shit. How long ago was that? Jesus. Well, from when that scene was filmed, like, I would say, like, seven years. What season was that? It was, like, six or seven. Like, but, like, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, They're, like, they're going to light candles. Doree asked Sutton if it's okay if she doesn't because she's Jewish and it's, you know. She's like, I can set an intention anywhere. I can set it in the bathroom. You could also set it here with a candle. Stop sure. being a dick. It's just a candle. I, I mean, I get it It's if you're in a church. I, so I'm slightly sympathetic to it, but it's like... But also, like, nobody is saying that you have to pray to anyone in particular. Yeah. It's a, a symbolism thing. It's you are lighting a candle because you are putting the energy into the world of... Hoping that Crystal gets better. Yeah, that's all. That's it is. the entire point. Whether that energy is directed towards, you know, your God or to a saint or to, you know, Joe Blow down the street. Nobody gives a fuck. Just like participate and be respectful. Yeah. Um, Sutton lights a candle for Crystal and also lights one for her dad. Um, she says her confessional being closer to God for me means being closer to my father. People talk about suicide in the Catholic church. You go to hell. I was raised Presbyterian. So I believe he's not in hell. I believe that he's with God in heaven, which I also think is so like, I, I think people, I think the Catholic church needs to fix that. Cause like, that is like a yeah. really fucked up, like, you know, I mean, the Pope's been really good lately on stuff. So like, maybe they can do something about that, but well, yeah, but like, the Pope has been really good on stuff. And then like the rest of the Catholic church will just say, well, we're not following that. Right. It's like denouncing thousands of years of doctrine of the Pope being, you know, the, the mouthpiece of God. Like now, because he doesn't agree with you and your bigotry. Now it's a problem. Now he's no longer the mouthpiece. Convenient. Okay. Um, Erica goes down on your knees, Anna Marie. I'm like Erica. <laughs> you're in a, I'm sorry. You're in a church. <laughs> like, like I'm not the most religious person, but Jesus. Um, at, at one point they all finish, but Kyle and Sutton are still in the church and they're in uh, the pews, uh, sitting next to each other. Sutton tells uh, Kyle, a friend of mine dreamed about my dad the other day. My father said in the dream that I should I should know that I was right and he was tired. And then Kyle shares that she was uh, a psychic had told her that Lorene is telling is telling her that like she doesn't understand what happened to her, and so they're kind of commiserating over that. Um, Sutton tells her, "Here's the thing, Kyle. We're never going to get those answers. Just know that he's at, that she's at peace right now." And it's really an emotional moment. And Sutton tells Kyle, "I'm sorry, I haven't been a better friend," and like hugs her. And then Kyle says, "You have been a good friend. It's okay." And here's the I would have people were pointing out. 
I do think Kyle needed to also apologize to Sutton, but I don't think that's going to happen without a big fight. And it's like, not. And Sutton is is also tired. And she's like, I'm, I just, I don't want to fight with you anymore. And I think like here, well, yeah. And part of it is, I mean, Kyle's even said explicitly, like, even as I was a child, I couldn't say sorry. She said that when talking about like Loreen and stuff like that. So I think it's just something about her in many regards, not to say that she should be off the hook for it, but like there's that. At her big age. I know. I know. You, you gotta, you gotta go to therapy and get past that shit. Yeah. You know, she's older than Tom Schwartz. And if Tom Schwartz can't, like if we can hold Tom Schwartz accountable, you know, um, but I do th- – I understand also, like, Sutton feeling the need to apologize to Kyle even if, like, her intentions were correct and, like, all that stuff. Because I do think, like, with what Kyle was going through with her friend's death, I think that is a very sensitive place. And, like, you know, I would – you know, I understand erring on the side of sensitivity. And so that, you know, right. th- I, I get that. Um, Crystal is FaceTiming them from the hospital to give her them an update. She's on medication and basically on a drip. Um, but that she's going to be okay. You know, a lot of people were criticizing the cast for not going with her. Anna Marie does. Well, I watched about Anna Marie does offer when they first take her. Right. And the producer says we're sending somebody. So. Right. But, you know, like people don't realize production is in charge, especially on cast trips. Yeah. Like you don't get to just decide you're going to do something different. Yeah. It's not how this works. You signed a contract. You want to get paid? You go by the contract. You get in that church. <laughs> right. <laughs> um they arrive in Old Town Barcelona for like dinner or for lunch and shopping. Um Garcel was completely right. Sutton's hat is so ugly and it makes Awful. it makes her look like she's that the monster in Beetlejuice, you know the one that's like um it's like a um like a serpenty kind of like um I, I wish I had a photo to show you. No, I know the one that goes through the sand. Yeah, the yeah, one yeah. that's black and white. It it's makes it's her look, Beetlejuice. Yeah. It makes her look just like it. Oh, to me what I was getting was um you know on Fat Albert, one of the kids has a, yes, 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 yes. a beanie that comes down and has the holes for eyes. That's what it looks like to me. Same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um uh they are introduced to Manolo who's playing a guitar to sort of like welcome them and show them around the shopping and all that stuff. Dorit goes, Como te llamas? Because of course. And, Man- and Manolo goes, it's Manolo. <sighs> and Dorit goes, like Blahnik. <laughs> like Manolo Blahnik. Because of Jeez. course. Um, they all sit down to eat. Um, Marcellus is FaceTiming Anna Marie with the kids in the car, like taking them to school. And Anna Marie goes, Daddy, I can't see you. And they all cackle and they go, Dorit goes, do you say daddy? And she's like, when the kids are in the car. Like, and, and I love Erica just being like, I've got a few men lately, daddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's any, they really are sex crazed on Beverly Hills right now, particularly. Well, so many of them are single. That's the thing. Like, yeah. Like the only people who are married right now are Anna Marie, Crystal and Kyle. The other three are are single, and Kyle's about to be single. And it's like, 
and Anna Marie's about to be gone. So, like, Crystal's <laughs> the only one going to be buried next season. Crystal's the last one standing. <laughs> uh, Anna Marie talks about, like, the because the Crystal thing comes up, she, goes, she talks about, like, she's really sensitive to people questioning her profession or whatever. Erica says, quite honestly, it's hindsight right now. I can't imagine her saying anything like that again. I was like, okay, Erica. Erica's got a big hard on for crystal right now because yeah and it's because of the earring stuff but it's like it's so which she mentions yeah um garcelle then just goes i'm gonna take this opportunity because dorit and i had more than a hiccup i love that she's like we're gonna talk about this Uh uh-huh she goes there was something about how you talked to me that made me just feel a certain way dorit goes when I said that I wasn't thinking about, and then she pauses, and Erica goes, "Right." When she when she's saying, "When I said the comment about you being aggressive or attacking me, I wasn't thinking about." And Erica finishes her sentence and goes, "Race." And Garcelle goes, "But that's my whole point." Right. Right. You weren't thinking about race. Right. And that's the problem. Like, th- this is why I can't get with people who are mad at Garcelle for being friends with Sutton because. It's like the difference is that Sutton was told, hey, the phrase, I don't see color, erases the experiences of black, indigenous, and other people of color. Right. So, like, you you do have to see color, and you have to contextualize everything that we're experiencing within the like the entirety of our experience. I thought you were about to say in the bubble. <laughs> no. Um, uh, um, <laughs> but Dorit still is not understanding that every interaction with Garcelle, you have to take the fact that she is a black woman into consideration. Right. Because she doesn't get to take her blackness off and put it over here when she's interacting with you. Right. Exactly. Dorit then goes, you called me a Karen. And I'm like, well, she said that you were exhibiting Karen-like behavior. And even then she said unconscious. She even gave you that. Right. But of course, the biggest offense is being called a Karen. Garcelle then has to go. I don't think anybody here is racist. Which, again, you're putting her in that position. And also, it was so annoying when she says this. Erica goes, no. No, it's like, okay, Erica, like it's the biggest offense is not that you guys are racist. Like, like, I feel like we, we took a misstep as a society and we, we made it to where the worst thing you can be called is racist instead of where the worst thing you can be is racist. Right. Like I would be so much more upset to be racist than to be than to be called racist because if someone's going to call me racist they're at least going hey you need to check yourself right and then i get to go oh good i get a spot where i can be a better person right but i'm also hurt that i hurt someone right because whether or not i was being racist is not actually up for debate exactly like Like, dorit's not there dorit you have to accept that when a person of color tells you you were being racist, that is not up for debate. You were being racist. Now you can decide where to move from there. Right. And because we establish it with everything else that actions are not the same as like 
all, not always the same as people, right? Right. And that, yeah, it, it's just crazy. Garcelle goes, but there are certain things that make me feel a certain way. My opinion is you lived a very sheltered life and you don't understand the walk that I've had to walk. She kind of, I will say, I hated her response, but she kind of sets Dorit up for this, I think. Because then Dorit goes, I really, really appreciate you saying all of this. I want to learn and know about your plight. That's, again, that sounds nice. You just don't seem like a person that does, but like, whatever. Yeah. Um, and she goes, just so you understand that this little bubble that I lived in that you believe is very different. My father was Israeli. We moved when I was very young because we lived in a town where we were the only Jewish people. And my brother and I, people were saying anti-Semitic remarks to us. Like, and so she details it more like in her confessional about sort of the experience of that. And yes, that experience is really fucking terrible and it is anti-Semitic and it is something that should also be talked about with the same concern right? as anti-black racism. Right. It's also not the same thing as anti-black racism in terms of America. Right. Like, it is a different experience because at the end of the day, you and your family were still white. Right. And you could hide your jewish ancestry and say no we're not jewish we're you know we're we're uh, uh just good old christians just right. like y'all but if any if anyone on this cast had made some offhanded comment that sort of implied or was sort of a a leaning towards the idea that for example like that that jews were in control of money right, right? or some sort of stereotype or whatever your response would be much like ourselves and that's the whole point. Right. So, like... Because you can see your struggle, but you refuse to see hers. Right. And, and like, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. Dorit goes, I'm not by any means comparing, but I felt that it wasn't a fair characterization of me. And, Gar <laughs> right, but I think, like... Garcelle didn't even characterize you. She was characterizing your actions. Right, that's the thing. She was characterizing you based off of how you were treating her, not because of your background. Right. Well, and the issue was, again, there was so much less of this issue that was, that was Dorit saying... That Garcelle attacked her, right? Right. Because if that had been all that it was, but then the second that it was brought up, it was corrected and we moved forward, that would have been it. It would have been dropped. It wouldn't have been an issue. But the problem is, is that she doubled down, refused to acknowledge it. And then now we can see in today how she doubled down, not only in confessionals, but also uh, on Instagram when yeah. the episode was airing. For the whole, like, the Garcelle giving you the pass of you not being racist, it's kind of dissolved now after the child bride comment. Um, just saying. Right. But, like, also, like you said, like, then you go on to post about being happily in your bubble. And it's like, then you don't learn nothing. You learn nothing. They leave on a nice enough moment where they hug and stuff like that. And Garcelle takes it. It's like, I think that's really important to hear that. Thank you for sharing that. And she says, and I, and can I say, I know we talk about the Birkins and the bags and the fashion, but this is the stuff that really bonds us. And so Garcelle's giving Dorit this. So, okay. I, cause she knows and it, I, I don't have to be upset about it cause it's on Garcelle. I, I like it's, it's what Garcelle feels comfortable with and that's what matters. It's but not for the, me. Either. But at the end of the day, it's also because Garcelle knows how she's going to be attacked over 
any of this. So she knows she can't let it go on too long yeah. because then she's going to be painted as the angry black woman. Yeah. And the, and at the minute school moments in which, you know, they are, she already confronted Dorit, she did get that. You know, she yeah. got exactly that. And so that's, yeah. Um, they head back to the residence as Sutton is uh, getting – she's going to bring her friend from the, the dance company that she met, Trevor, and some of his friends uh, over to the house. She says to her confessional, I want the ladies to know a part of me that's not this alimony collecting, gala going, vodka drinking, erratic crazy lady that they think that I am. And I was like, I'm glad that we did get that. Like, it, not to say that yeah. – I, I love all those parts of Sutton. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But it's like it, we really did get the full depth of her. Yeah. Um, but they're leaving and they're, but Dorit and Kyle are like pissed that they didn't go shopping at all. And Dorit goes, you taking us out and not letting us shop. You should be ashamed of yourself. And then Kyle just runs into a store and they're just hijacking it. And Sutton and Leary have to be like, okay, I'm going to give you all three minutes. I'm going to set a timer. <laughs> and then she literally sets a timer and like, they're running around like crazy people, just like trying to get like, there's this bit where Dorit's like, oh. <gasps> This fan is 300 years old. It's like, what? She buys like seven antique fans. And it's like, what? Like, of all the things. <laughs> what that- are you going to do with those? I love Kyle at one point. It's like, this ring doesn't fit me, but I'll take it anyways. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wild. Insane. Um, they arrive back and Crystal's already at the house. They go to her room to check on her. And this is where she talks to her confessional that her family has like a history of blood pressure, hypertension. And so that was a really scary moment for her. She cries. Um, and Anna Marie comforts her and all the women comfort her. She says in her commercial that she really appreciates Anna Marie being there for her. Cool. Fine. Fine. Yeah. Moving on. Um, the ladies go getting glam cause they're getting ready for the dinner, which is also a paella making class. They say it's a class, but it's real. They don't actually do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Didn't they have a quote unquote class that was a cooking class recently on another show that was similar? I think it was Miami, but they did at least Miami. They, it was pizza and they were at least like stretching the dough. Okay. Yeah. Cause Erica says later, like, I don't know how to make paella. I don't even know how to make bacon, egg and cheese. It's like, you didn't have to do anything. So you're fine. You could just drink. <laughs> Which is, um, Sutton uh, talks about how everything's just going crazy. Cause Mercury's in retrograde, which it's like, yeah, just use that excuse. It's fine. Um, oh my God, Kyle FaceTiming Mauricio and then Mauricio kind of pulling a Juan Dixon sort of because it's dark and she can't see anything, but like the phone cuts out, the connection's bad or I think it's innocent, but now every time with the Juan Dixon stuff, I'm like, I mean, yeah, it just doesn't look good. He's like, he's fucking her right now. Like you just can't see it. Um, this is, uh, Erica's getting her glam done and she's going, now we're going to have to entertain Sutton's friends with this paella cooking. She says they're erudite. It means sophisticated and educated. Whatever. Like <laughs> Erica, re- like again, the whole earrings thing. I, I, the fact that that article came out was the worst thing that happened to Erica th- on this season. And then she said, and I was confused who she was talking about. You had to clarify, but she then goes, she couldn't. She shouldn't have talked about me in those earrings. Reversal of fortune, honey. I told them, and you. I was like. That, yeah, Crystal. It's about <laughs> Crystal. Like, she's having this high blood pressure shit as a karmic punishment for bringing up the earrings. It's like, Erica. Like. It's like, I I want to love her so much. And I think a part of me always will. But it's like, girl, I need you to, like, 
put this shit down. Yeah. Did you watch the trailer I sent you for the Housewife and the Hustler where they're going to... No. It's, it's where Erica has the the get-together with the victims and right. stuff like that. I think I'll be happy to... Because I didn't watch part one. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm nervous based on the trailer because she... At least from what they show, I get it's the trailer... It feels like she's in Erica mode, and I'm like, that's the wrong place to. Be. Yeah, I just, I, I don't trust those sh- that to be even handed. Yeah, I trust it to be pretty railroady. So I just, I don't. I don't know that I necessarily want to watch it, but I do want to see the scene with her and yeah. the victims. Well, and also I, from the trailer, they're also, I think, going into the Marco Marco stuff in okay. that as well. So. Yeah. Uh, but again, I still don't know if I can trust them to be objective about that stuff. I do believe that Erica's in the wrong in that situation, but like, how bad are they going to paint it? Right. Are they going to paint it much worse than it actually is? Like, I just... I, when the entire point of what you're doing is scandal and it's not uh, it's not journalistic. Yeah, it it, it is a little like tr- people have been so like getting to like the true crime stuff nowadays right. to where it just you it, you do risk that thing where it just becomes entertainment. And it's not. And, you know. and most of it is just conjecture and conspiracy theory type tying things together it's like you can't trust anything that comes out of that yeah um sutton's friend trevor arrives with his friends the erudites <laughs> uh sutton talks in a confessional we would get in so much trouble together it's how i learned words like conflama and focaccia and what teabagging was <laughs> jeez i was like you learned teabagging like in your 20s in like like i that's surprising to me like i thought you would learn in like this group I can it just uh, no. She had she had a life in New York. Yeah. The producer asked Sutton, "What are your thoughts on teabagging?" And Sutton goes, "Not opposed to it." <laughs> Jeez. Uh, new man in in Sutton's life. Be warned. Um, Trevor. Oh, so also Trevor is a delight. By the way, he is so effeminate and gay and southern. And oh, like, he's fabulous. Yeah, he's great. He's giving me um, uh, Murray Bartlett in uh. White Lotus season one. Well, people were saying that people were like, oh, this is also giving the vibes of White Lotus season two and Sutton is Tanya. And yes. Like, but, but specifically he was giving me the vibes of the guy that ran the hotel in season one. Yeah. That, that's probably more accurate. Uh, oh my God. Trevor introduces herself to himself to Erica, who is blitzed and right fucking now coming into this. She goes, Oh, we've heard a lot about you. Sutton, she's a beautiful soul. I was just saying nice things about you, darling. And Sutton's look at her looking at her like But it's like Erica is so like her during this dinner is wild. Crazy. It's like, how does she know all of this shit? No, oh, we'll get to that. Like, it's like she does. She have like a a world almanac under the table or something that she's like checking facts. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, tre- uh, Erica goes, "Where's your cocktail?" And Trevor goes, "You should go ahead." And she goes, "No, you should go ahead." And he goes, "No, you should go ahead." And she goes, "No, you should go." Ahead. <laughs> it was wild. 
Storm comes in to introduce the ladies to start the paella stuff. He goes, hi, ladies. And just immediately, Erica goes, Storm! (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Um, So Storm is cooking the paella with his dad, Service? Service? One of the two. Um, They start cooking, and Service, like... He's talking to Garcelle and Crystal and says that he's Storm's dad. And Garcelle goes, oh, I saw the resemblance. And then she goes, turns to Crystal and goes, I'm going to go for that dad. (laughs) (laughs) Crystal says, I'm 10 minutes ahead of you. And Garcelle goes, hello, forget the child. (laughs) Also, Crystal, you're married. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think she may say, I was catching on that you were good. I got it. It's it's yours, Garcelle. Garcelle says, I could see myself being a stepmom to Stormy. I'm meaning to burp him and breastfeed. (laughs) Crazy. And then some one of the one of the area women says some just something nice to service and she just whispers Garcelle whispers the crystal trip her. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Um they all sit down to eat. Um Dorit goes, so I fully to Trevor goes, so I fully expect you to divulge every single dirty detail about this one. And I'm like, oh God, you're gonna embarrass her. But it, it ended up working well. It ended up being great. Trevor actually. Goes, she was so mean to me. I would try to get her attention and throw paper clips over my shoulder, and she would say, Trevor, stop it now with that southern drawl. And Garcelle goes, we've heard that tone. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was like, it was playful and just yeah. sort of like, yeah. Uh, Trevor goes, Sutton lived in Brooklyn. And Erica just goes, Brooklyn? What a dump. <laughs> I was like, oh no, okay, all right. I was so worried. I thought they, because they play something in like the sort of like, te- the, like coming up thing where I was like, oh, Erica's going to ruin this. And like, that's terrible. Like, um, but she ended up being oddly charming. Yeah, it's crazy. But she talks in confessionals how she was used to doing this sort of shit with Tom. Because she would have to sort of like network with these people and right. sort of like when you're Tom Girardi's wife, you have to also be like, you know, she like act like you care at the very least. Yeah. Like she says like sometimes they can be really snippy, but if and like up their own ass or whatever, but the when they're not, they're great. So Yeah. Um Dorit says her confessional, I like hearing about young Sutton. She wasn't always very wealthy. She just likes to pretend that she was. I don't think she ever pretended. She says at one point, and I guess it's in her confessional, but she says at one point, like, I had, like, no money when I was in Brooklyn, like, starting out. I would buy, like, cheap, the $5 dresses, like, cheap, you know, whatever. So I don't think her she... Her and Jessel poor in the fashion industry. <laughs> again, much like her and Crystal, I don't think she, like, flaunts her wealth in a way that's, like, you know, so yeah. flashy. I'm sorry. The only people that... The person that portrays themselves to be wealthy when they are not is you, Dorit. Uh-huh. How, wait, how much does your husband owe the federal government? Yeah. Did he pay that gambling debt back? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Sutton goes, I was dating Christian at the time. Kyle goes, she met Christian at 14 years old. And Erica goes, 14? Jesus Christ. <laughs> just so loud. and just... Trevor goes, it was so much fun being with Merce. And, and uh, Erica then cuts in and goes, can I say something? I know you love Merce, but Merce was in a Ziploc bag. And I was like, oh, no. Like, this is where I was like, I felt like I could feel Sutton, like, with how things went yeah. bad in Vegas. I yeah. was like, I, I was like, this teasing is like, I, maybe you think it's playful, but it's like, I think Sutton this means a lot to Sutton on a very personal level. And so I was like, Oh God, like 
you're going to ruin this. But Sutton takes it in stride, which I appreciated. She goes, Kyle's mother's ashes are in the bathroom right now. And so Kyle describes that it's in her guest bathroom. Because she's like, I didn't want anyone to, like, knock them over. Or, like, you know, like, I didn't want it to be, like, a... Yeah, anyone that thinks that that's disrespectful, number one, you can't just put ashes in anything going through TSA. Yeah. Um, also, ashes are delivered to you in a plastic bag. Like, that's how they come from the crematorium. So, I... It's not that strange. It's not disrespectful. Yeah. They ask about the other area diets, like who they are and sort of get their background. This woman, Monica, goes, I'm from Philadelphia, but I like to say that I'm from the land where Beanie Siegel is king. And Erica goes, Beanie Siegel! (laughs) (laughs) And also she said, oh, well, no. She goes, Beanie Siegel! Because she has a mouthful of food as she's, like, (laughs) yelling about this. And I love Dorit not knowing going on, on, goes, Beansickle? What's Beansickle? <laughs> oh, we'll have to look that up later. <laughs> um, there's another woman, Amira, and she talks about she grew up in like Lebanon and Morocco and Egypt. <laughs> oh, did you cringe as much as I did when she goes, my father's Lebanese and my mother's Palestinian from Gaza? Yep. And I was like, oh, God. Because <laughs> you know Dorit's viewpoint. Oh, we see her Instagram. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, we won't get into that. <laughs> Uh, but then this is, like you said, where Erica gets full on sort of, like, just invested in, like, engaging in the conversations. Amira talks about, like, you know, talked about her family. Like, they worked on a seed bank in Aleppo, Syria. And she goes, coming off of the Fertile Crescent, right? <laughs> Wild. And, like... Like, I knew that because I paid attention in social studies. I didn't fucking know that. Oh, you didn't know about the Fertile Crescent? I don't know geography. Like, uh, Yeah, so the Fertile Crescent is this area in the Middle East that is, like, really fertile. Okay. Like, as opposed to, like, everywhere else, which is kind of, like, arid because it's desert. Yeah, but she knew the history of, like, the civil wars and stuff like that in Syria and all, and just, like, crazy stuff. This tells you how many times she's had to hobnob with people from that area of the world with Tom Girardi. Yeah, and Garcelle just turns to her and goes... Who are you? And Erica goes, it's a long story. Yeah. <laughs> Still just drunk and slurring. Um, Sutton tells everyone, this has been a complete pre- pleasure. And then she pulls out Merce and Erica just goes, Merce is in the purse. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. And Sutton had the patience of a saint. I really she, got it. she must have gotten it at the church. Yeah, and Sutton goes, compliments to our chef. I think we scared away Storm and his father. And Garcelle goes, I think his father's in my room. <laughs> And then Erica fucking turns her and goes, when you finish, get him a Viagra and send him to my room. <laughs> <laughs> fucking horny devils. And then Erica, like, they cheers. But then Erica just starts to leave before everyone else and goes, good night, thank you, and very much be done. <laughs> Look, as drunk as she was, she was wearing five-inch heels, stilettos. She was stumbling a little bit. A a little bit, but on those cobblestones, she was doing better than most people would sober. (laughs) Yeah. They go back to their fucking rooms, and Garcelle, or Erica's in Garcelle's room on her bed with sunglasses being like, what's going on? And like, doing weird dances. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking. It's crazy. But as this is happening, so we get this really sweet moment with Trevor and Sutton by the bar where he goes, you were kind of goody two-shoes back in the day. And Sutton goes, I wasn't good at two-shoes. And she, he goes, 
you were not as comfortable in your own skin as you are today. You've come into your own. And Sutton goes, thank you. She, and then Trevor goes, that's why I always called you lady, because I knew you would always grow up to be a beautiful lady. And I was, I, it broke my, it was like, oh, it was, it felt so sweet. And it was like you were saying last week about like, it, when she was describing Merce Cunningham and like right. sort of like the person who can understand her weirdness. Right. And it's like, that's really what it is. Like Sutton's, yes, she's weird and kooky and all these things and, and, and complicated and emotional and, you know, defensive sometimes and all this stuff. But she really just wants someone to understand her. Right. And it's like, you know. And that's one of the things that I love about her and Garcelle's friendship because they are so different. But like Garcelle's just like, yeah, that's who you are. And I'm not going to make fun of you for that. Like that, that's just you. Yeah. Like that's what you do. That That's what friendship is. Yeah, it really is. Trevor goes, you're right where you're supposed to be. And Sutton goes, so is Merce, right on top of my Dolce and Gabbana. Because he's <laughs> her, 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 like little compact. Very sparkly. He would like that. <laughs> it was sweet. Um, they wake up the next morning and they're getting ready. Um, Garcelle is checking on Crystal and checks her blood pressure. And it's still like 150. Which is, yeah, so 150 over like 110. Yeah, she's like, still high, but that's okay. She's like, did not wanting to scare Crystal, basically. Yeah. Um, Sutton gives Kyle a flower necklace for the ceremony that they're doing. Cause she's basically wants to like people to like set their intentions and like put the, and it's, it's for Merce and all that stuff, but it's also for themselves. And so, um, it, it's, it's going to be a, you know, nice little ceremony. It's, if I remember correctly, this seems similar to the ceremony that they did, uh, on ultimate girl's trip in Thailand. At the end. Yes, 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 yes. Of the, I'm letting go of something, here's the flowers out into the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it is the same ceremony. I don't know. Uh, it wasn't exactly the same because they weren't throwing anything. They were like setting something down in the water. Mm. But it, it, it's the same spirit. Yeah. Uh, Dorit is FaceTiming her son Jagger. Um, her mom is with the kids, but she's kind of annoyed that PK won't be at that, isn't at the house to where at least one parent can be there. Like, so she's just, it's, a, it's more stuff about like his scheduling and just being out of town all the time and just like not being there. Um, we go back to Sutton's, uh, Oh, Dorit is also married. What? Were you confused? Well, we didn't list her earlier. Oh, okay. Although hell, she may not be married next season either. Yeah. God willing. No, I'm kidding. They have kids. Um, Sutton uh, is getting ready, and she just starts crying out of nowhere, which I, it, we can figure out why. But Sutton goes, why am I losing it? And and her um, assistant is like, it's just an emotional thing, and it's coming to the surface. Kyle comes in, and she's like, what's happening? Like, what's wrong? Sutton goes, I don't want to open the ashes. I think there's a lot of my dad wrapped up in all of this. And she's you could tell very emotional and as much as i critique kyle i actually thought kyle was very good here being yeah. there for her and it was like at least there was a moment where she could like sort of be there for sutton right where you which know. she hasn't been doing yeah yeah and, and she finally actually showed up for this person who she claims is her friend. Yeah. Sutton talks about, like, part of it is, like, she lost her dad's ashes at one point during, like, moves and stuff like that and, and all that. Um, and so she feels like this is also letting go of her dad and also letting go of her marriage in certain ways. Um, th- that it's symbolic in different ways yeah. um, in terms of that. Um she she describes about with her divorce that she initially wanted to just separate and for them to go to couples therapy, but then once he moved out that he moved out, he filed. 
which yeah. was like a big jarring moment to her. Um, she she says, you can't name three more important men ever in my life, and I got to let them go. I'm 52, and I have to be the 24-year-old girl that moved to New York again. And it's like... That's heartbreaking. Yeah. it's I, I really resonated with Sutton in just terms of like, as someone who's lost a parent, like like finality and the sort of like, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's difficult. And it was just like, you know, and I mean, I haven't lost a parent, but I've lost a sibling and, you know, we both picked up and moved across the country and kind of had to let go of lots of things, lots of things that we were leaving behind. And so I really, I really did resonate with her a lot, you know? Um, and it just, um, Sutton, if you're listening, you are seen. Yeah. Like the audience sees you and the audience is resonating with you. And I know that we aren't in your life to give you that on a day to day basis, but like you, you are representative of what a lot of us are going through. So, yeah. and you're open and the openness in this episode probably helped a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a great episode of Beverly Hills. Really fantastic stuff. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of Real Housewives of Miami. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry... We use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites. Fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay and a Zimby. Let's head on down to Mexico City where the ladies go to church and then decide to be bitches on a boat on Real Housewives of Miami. Real Housewives of Miami for this week. This was a up and down episode in terms of emotional, like... Wild. Like, also, I... 
Lisa's spiraling. <laughs> We're get, we'll get to it. I really feel bad. I feel bad for Lisa, but also I'm like, girl, like get into therapy. Like, cause this ain't, Honestly. this ain't working. Honestly. I almost think she should have taken the season off. I mean, I'm glad that she didn't because it's exposing all the shit with Lenny. Right. Because if it wasn't on the show and it wasn't being exposed, it could be denied. This is proving and documenting all of his bullshit. Yeah. Um, we start the episode. Nicole has now arrived in Mexico City. She got in late last night because uh, she had a 24-hour shift, and so she just took a red eye. Um, but Julia, the next morning, is visiting Nicole in her room as they're doing their makeup. Uh, she tells her about the last night's dinner. You were con- confused because Julia also is saying that they, they were naked. Yeah, they're clearly wearing skin-toned like underwear. And like they're talking about being able to see their balls. And it's like, no, you're not. Right. You can't. They're wearing, did they think that Bravo was going to blur it? I, yeah, I really, you suggested that last week. And I was like, maybe that is what it is. I don't know. Like, like that's the only thing that's making sense because like they clearly were wearing like nude colored underwear. Yeah. I don't get it. Um, Larsa. So they all come down to the lobby to meet before they head to the church. Larsa. <laughs> are we dressed appropriate i have a sweater i was kind of like oh i mean like great you did it for fashion and it wasn't really i mean like it really it's such a big church and it's very like communal in terms of like tourism and stuff like that to where it's like it's not like you're going to church right necessarily and i didn't think anything that anybody was wearing was that egregious um no i didn't even think that lisa's was that bad because it's just it's midriff but she didn't have any like it's like cleavage out and like it's panel. It's like paneling and like Marisol was like monkey. You have to cover the rib cage to go into the church. Yeah, I didn't think it was that bad. Um, Gertie's look though was the the like she's like Queen Amidala or something. Not Queen Amidala. Um, it was it was just very Star Wars esque. Like yeah. you know, very but very cute. Um, then we find so Julia talks in her confessional a little bit though about how she. Kind of is trepidatious about it because she's really separated herself from religion um, when her son died. And for those that don't know, she talked about it in like past season on the show, but like um, it was this long story about how she basically hired a nanny. And then there's some duplicitousness of like where the nanny came from, if it would like, but basically her child died from chicken baby syndrome. And like it was, it's a giant like mystery and. And all that. Like, there was, like, a big scandal. It was in the news. Like, I think they had, a like, a like one of those expose specials on it. Yeah. And, like, because the, the woman, that, or the man that she had the child with is, like, very, like, infamous and just sort of, like, this, like, it, it's crazy. Um, but Julia says to her professor, like, I did, about, like, going to religion after her son's death was, she said, I didn't get any answers. In my case, it just gave me more grief and pain. And I'm like... I understand, like, like that's valid, and I think that's an important thing to sort of tell people because you can get good stuff from it, like from any religion for the most part. Like, you know, there's, but there's also if it's not for you, it's not for you, and sometimes right. it can be worse. Yeah, you know, I think it's it, you know when it's 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 how you can connect the two things of like I like when people say stuff about like God's plan and stuff like that and people and you see terrible fucking things happen in the world and you're just like how the yeah how the hell is that making sense like it's just it's what vibes with you right like you either pick it up and it works for you and it and like it resonates with your spirit or it doesn't yeah and 
you're going to change over time. So sometimes things that used to resonate don't anymore. And that's valid. Yeah. And I, I'm glad that she recognized that and decided to step away from something that was no longer serving her. Right. Um, oh, my God. Kiki's like, do you have any lip gloss? And then Julia's like, yeah. And then they just kiss in the van to exchange the lip gloss. <laughs> lesbian rights <laughs> I, I mean like julie is a kisser apparently like it's her thing but i love that they're like like and kiki i don't think kiki's explicitly fluid but like she's open enough so it's it's fine it works well um lisa gets in uh the van she's like uh, the worst um she says something about the worst thing is that you know not having my kids 50 percent of the time when all this stuff is done and then she just goes Sometimes I just start crying in the shower for like no reason. And then it's just breaking down. Like it's just, it's like, it, it's, tr it's really troubling. I would say for the most part now, because it's just sort of like stream of consciousness. It's endless. And I, and I understand the endlessness in terms of like a viewer, it being annoying, but like it is troubling if you're someone's friend and they are so endlessly like on, you know, a point where they can't even, you know, think about anything else. Like they literally can't have a conversation without it coming up. And that's, that's disturbing. Yeah. They arrive at Cathedral Metropolitana. Um, and it's, you know, they, I also, I also appreciated how they shot this whole thing. They didn't really do a lot of, they did like a little music and a little lighting stuff, but it was, it, they really treated it with a seriousness yeah. that I think was important for the moment. I will say, even if you are not religious, taking a moment to go and tour a cathedral of this, like one of the big grand cathedrals like this. Yeah. Um, I was blessed enough to be able to go to Paris and got to uh, tour Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And it just, the, whatever you want to believe in, right? At the end of the day, there have been hundreds of thousands of people who fervently believed in prayer and came into this space to cry out to their God yeah. and the energy remains in that space. You can feel it. Yeah. And like Notre Dame is over a thousand years old. Like it's like you, you will never understand until you have stood in a place like that. So if you get the chance, do it. It is a life changing moment. Yeah. Um, Julia, even though she's trepidatious, like we mentioned before, she says, you know, I know this means a lot to Alexi and to all the other women. I don't want to make this about myself. I'm just going to, you know, um, go about yeah, it. Yeah, Lisa, she didn't want to make this about herself. <laughs> I know. It's sad. Um, but they go in front of the shrine of, uh, the Virgin of Guadalupe, um, and it, I, I teared up. You were tearing up. It was I, I, I was not even tearing up. I was like free falling tears down my face yeah gertie is in between alexia and larsa and is just crying and she's just saying that she's scared i i as much as like it was the i'm scared for me yeah that that's just ugh. as much as and I'll, as much as we've like shit on larsa rightfully so um for the gertie stuff like she larsa comforts her and it felt very genuine and yeah. it was, um, it was just really nice. And Alexia is telling her, you know, ask her for help. She's going to deliver you. She did it with Frankie. Like it's, it's really raw and emotional and just like, 
yeah, it, it's it's really beautiful. And Marisol even says, like, this is a very rare moment of unity right now. When everyone has the same collective energy, powerful things can happen. And th- that with them all just hugging, like, in front of the cathedral, I thought... Or, it was a beautiful shot. Yeah, it was really impactful. And it's like, this is what, you know... There's two things. Like, there's this, the severity of Gertie's diagnosis and, like, how it means what it means in terms of the powerfulness of the scene and sort of like all what Gertie is going through. Um, that alone is amazingly powerful. It's also what I just love about this franchise. Like, I think like it's so beautiful. You really do feel a sisterly bond, even though there are issues and even though there are fighting and, and stuff like that. I, I think it is a beautiful thing to maintain a balance like that for three seasons now. Yeah. And like, and like it's it's really great and it's like it, it i believe it too i don't believe i don't think it's just you guys showing up to work yeah you know and i i think this episode honestly you can take this episode and show it to anybody that has never watched housewives right yeah and they will immediately understand the entire breadth of what housewives can be mm-hmm. right because you see this entire cast uniting, right? Yeah. And standing together solid as one immovable, like, like object of, like, this force of good and positivity, right? And then three seconds later, they're bickering, doing something problematic on a boat. Fighting about feeding dogs. Right. Like, it's just stupid. So it's the it's the the two ends of the spectrum and it's all in one episode and i really do think that this is kind of like encapsulates everything that housewives not just miami but everywhere yeah this is what housewives is it is stupid fights it's slightly problematic shit it's banding together over real heavy stuff it is you know um the being triggered over the baby dolls later you know it's it's all of that it's all of that together and this episode really captures the beauty of what this can be yeah i agree completely um they go back in the sprinter vans um and gertie is like you know the bond that me and larsa had like though i'm not gonna forget that nicole's checking in on julia and making sure that she's okay because she knows about you know julia's history julia it was really illuminating julia says when i lost my son the only living soul that i had with me to cry and care for was louie my black and white cocker spaniel and that's why i have such a connection with my animals she says my farm is my temple and i think that yeah that's like and and it 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 was great to see, it's amazing to see that understanding of like that connection with her animals in the farm and it also recontextualizes also the Martina stuff and right. like and why she pushed so hard it was like I I need this yeah like this is nothing against you and that has nothing to do with how much I love you or don't love you it has to do with the fact that this is something my soul needs yeah and it makes and it makes so much sense and that is and I love that she said that like that is a way like you don't always need religion if you it religion can be great but like you if you can find a path in which to get the same results and get the same happiness like it's, right. it can be anything and that's yeah I agree 
Um, Lisa is saying that she's hoping the prayers will work with like the Lenny stuff because they're she's like by Monday like we may go to court and so like this and I also it's like really coming up to the wire so that's also I think why Lisa's so antsy. Uh, I'm like I love the, the this like again we were like like tears sobbing sort of still like re, like you know tense I would say for right. they get back to the hotel and Kiki greets the other women and goes what up bitches oh we just came from the church we can't talk like that <laughs> and immediately we're like oh we're back like yeah. we're back um we go to their rooms Lisa is calling her divorce attorney John and John is telling her like I think we're done to the very last piece of the settlement agreement and everyone seems happy with the terms how are you feeling and she goes I don't feel great but I feel okay I think again it's like we kind of said it last week. It's like, you kind of got to take what you got monetarily like, right. And start anew and do whatever. But it's like, for the most part, you need to cut ties with this man. Um, well, yeah, the, the thing that I absolutely that raises red flags is that he doesn't want to buy a house for her and the kids. It's that he wants to build a house for her and the kids. And it's like, Okay, well, that drags it out to where she's still living in your house. Right. It's like, I don't, I don't like that. She needs to get out of that house. Yeah. Um, she's, John is telling her that we have assurances that they will sign, basically. Um, but she's still not sure about it. She says in her confessional, I'm so stressed out right now because I don't trust him. He can say one thing and then he changes his mind the next day. It's either we finalize the settlement or we go to the mat on Monday. And I don't think it's in my best interest to go to the mat. And it's like, Probably isn't, and like that, but that's also a terrible position to be in when you yeah. have someone so manipulative and you know willing to just play with someone like Lenny is. I really, I, I still really feel that way. I think that's what the case is, and I think it. I will say it explains more the stress from Lisa when she's like, "I just don't." I he can pull the rug right from under me whenever the fuck he wants to, and it's like living on that kind of edge is impossible. Yeah. You know? We then so Lenny then calls her like minutes after, and she's freaking out about it. She picks up the call, but then we see the graphic over the screen that says Lenny called Lisa to discuss their settlement. He did not agree to be recorded, but he did add one little thing to the settlement. And we were like, "Fucking ass! Like what the fuck?" And it's just Lisa leaving the hotel room, going, "I cannot believe this guy!" Like, and yeah, and so this just sets her off for the rest of the day. Like, yeah, yeah, um. Adriana joins them as they head out to the boat. Adriana wasn't with them because she wanted rest before her pride event um, trip and that. But uh, also, like, part of it is Lenny wanting to control Lisa, like, in the settlement. But I also think a big part of it was Lenny wanted Lisa to blow up on camera to make her look unreasonable. Right, 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 right. Like, it's all part of his game. And he's just playing, and it's so fucking disgusting. I hate that man. He's the worst. Um, so they're in the car. Kiki's asking for more lip gloss, and Kiki goes, "No tongue, though, no tongue." <laughs> and then Marisol's like, "I'm a very good kisser, people." And then Julia and Marisol kiss, which of <laughs> all. Uh, well, and we know that Julia was making out with uh, Lisa at the mama after the Mamacita lunch. She's just going through everybody at this point, <laughs> like a whore. <laughs> and she was just in church. <laughs> yeah, uh, Marisol says their commercial. Julia's like that boy in elementary school. They like you, but they want to be mean to you. But eventually, they just want to make out with you. <laughs> yeah, also the fact that those two are making out after they're fighting all season. Yeah, um, Lisa says she has a lot of anxiety and stuff like that. 
Um, and basically we find out, she tells them that Lenny told her that she, that he does his extra condition is that he doesn't want a man permanently residing in the house with Lisa, which is like, and Julia's like, that's none of his business. You're a free woman. Like, yeah, that's, that's disgusting. And it's so hypocritical because like, also you, you have your fucking mistress in the house, right? She goes, I said, well, then, you know, I don't want your girlfriend there. And he said, well, Lisa, I pay for it. So this is this is my thing. If you are buying her a house, it needs to be in her name. Yeah. At which point you have no say whether, like, you don't get to, after the settlement, have conditions on things that are her property. Right. If it was still in your name, which absolutely not, would not sign that at all because then you can just sell it. Yeah, and it, much like the Sandoval thing that we talked about. Like, right. You know, she needs to... But the difference is that he would then be able to sell it out from under her. Right. And that's, like, it's... it's oh, I hate him. I And I hate... I don't just hate him, but I hate how this system works, right? Right. Like, how is this allowed to fucking happen? Right. There should be somebody that is sitting in on every single divorce, like, situation that is making sure that these abuses aren't happening. Right. Like, I don't care if you have to pay. Like, we pay out the ass in fucking taxes. They can go to this to make sure that we're protecting women from being abused by their exes. It's insane. Um, Yeah. Nicole's telling Adriana that they were right across the plaza from where her performance is going to be for Pride, which I thought was very um, progressive um, for Mexico. Like, just the fact that they showed, like, the flashback and, like... There's the church, and then, like, right across the ways, there's the stage area with, like, big rainbow pride flag and big trans uh, pride flag. And it's like, wow. Like, okay. Like, I think there's so – I mean, it's 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 interesting how religions are played differently in different countries. You know what I mean? Like, and what's accepted and what's not in many ways. Um, Adriana says to her confessional, this is make or break for my career. All eggs are in one basket. These big giant eggs. And she, like mo- – like, maps out her breasts basically <laughs> i can't with her um yeah um lisa is in the back of the car and she's it seems like she's having car sickness like they're worried about her and she just goes maybe i'm sick because i just signed the documents <laughs> like and they're like oh so you just signed it um like and she, it's like it's hard to tell what she's like i also it Lisa, the way she delivers this kind of stuff, I think is hard too because she's very much like probing for responses in many ways, which I understand. Like that's sort of a natural human response to like sort of like provoke like people to like check on you and stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, it just makes it hard and weird to deal with. Uh, for the record, Mexico is more progressive than the U.S. on queer rights. Of course they are. They, they legalized same-sex marriage before we did. Uh, they, in most states... Uh, in Mexico have, you know, gender protections for trans people. Um, in every state, it has been independent of their their Supreme Court has ruled that same-sex uh, marriages are allowed independent of the national level. At oh, the okay. state level, they did it as well. Fascinating. Yeah. The more you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Lars is telling, Lisa's not feeling good. Lisa, open your legs. I read this thing. If air gets in your vagina, it will make you feel better. It's like, don't. I would rather take advice from Anna Marie on medicine than Larsa. 
Yeah, honestly. Sorry. Um, they all arrived to the gondolas, uh, and they got the Miami Mommies boat because uh, you can get like a title or whatever right. for the boat or whatever. Um, and they're all celebrating and excited. Um, but you know, it, they're all just like all hyped. They're like we got food, we got drinks, we got we're gonna have such a good time. And Lisa's just in the boat crying. Like it's just like I get it, but like also this is what he wanted. Yeah, exactly. Like. She doesn't know yet, like, how to, like, stick it to him in that way. Yeah. And I get, but like I said before, I get why. Like. Yeah. Like, there's genuine fear there. Um, She goes, I don't feel good. I'm just kind of sad. I just feel like I've lost something. Um, They're all just trying to comfort her. Um, And Lisa goes, I just didn't think it was going to turn out like this. I feel like I failed. And Kiki just goes, you did not fail. He failed you. Men are assholes. (laughs) Yep. I, I need that on a shirt. Yep. <laughs> That's my mom. Like, like uh, if Ariana's the patron saint of scored women, like, can Kiki be like the ambassador? Yeah. <laughs> um, Marisol goes, and you have to, you have a really great partner going through this with you. And Lisa goes, I, I don't want to embarrass Jody. The other night I was crying about like something similar. He didn't come for me and we talked about it. And he said, cause I feel like you're crying over Lenny. And it's like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to like say like Jody, what, what are you doing? But it's like because he is taking a lot as well, and I'm sure like nine times out of ten he is being yeah. as best as he can be. But it's just like, yeah, I just like, how do you get emotionally connected with someone so new when there's such the emotional tide of this like asshole? Yeah. Even though it's even even it's not like a love place, like you know, um, it's frustrating. Um, Lisa is breaking down some more. Gertie goes, "You haven't had time to grieve. It's like a death." And then Lisa goes, I just want to believe that God will. And this ran, like randomly, Lisa goes, hola, at this other boat. Like, <laughs> it's like, Jesus, Larsa, she kind of switched off of Gertie onto Lisa in terms of like her lack of a deft hand. It's just, it, yeah, she just didn't tune into this, I guess. They're, they're finally moving on the boat. Um, I, I, I rolled my eyes so hard because Larsa goes, wait, do you guys realize this guy is really pushing our boat? He's really pushing the boat. I thought there would be like an engine. <laughs> Have you ridden in a gondola ever? <laughs> like, also, did you see the boats? Oh, Where on these boats did you think there was an engine? And Alexi goes, we weigh a lot. How can he do this? You. It, you're floating. I... I- <laughs> I need them to go in like a science class and just like it's like the wow like it's just like wild. Uh, Larsa goes, guys, I think Kiki has to give him head to compensate him for his work. And Kiki goes, oh, I got you. How do you like it? And she does the um the miming a blowjob. Jesus Christ! (laughs) And David the 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 rower or whatever like just gives a thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) David, I felt so bad for David. Like more ways than one because he was just dealing with so fucking much while having to deal with this boat like yeah um lisa goes i want to go do a photo shoot with my boy talking to david and she gets up and starts to go over and alexi's like okay okay lisa okay and she goes can i stir the boat stir because she thinks it's like a giant spoon i guess or something like (sighs) and they're like okay lisa they're just hoping lisa doesn't fall into the water at this point yeah um 
Adriana goes, Lisa, and, or they, they get back to the table that they're sitting on in the gondola, and Adriana does a cheers and goes, Lisa, to a bigger, brighter future, cry all your tears and get ready for the butterfly that you're about to become. And it's like, okay, it left nice. Everyone was chill. Lisa wasn't crying anymore. She wasn't like sort of like almost having a breakdown. Right. Larsa finds her perfect fucking moment. And Larsa goes, I'm kind of glad she's here with us and not driving Jody crazy. And then Lisa goes, yeah, he tries to help me the best I can. And I just like snap at him, you know, whatever. Larsa then goes, by the way, if, if you lost Jody, you would regret it. The way she said it was like, so like, weirdly mean almost you're gonna regret it because you're gonna be screwed and lisa goes no i love him and and larsa goes and i don't know anyone else who would take your shit no offense what do you mean no offense i i so i hate people who are like just like you're a horrible person scum you know scumbag who's you know should go to hell no offense (laughs) whatever (laughs) lisa's just shocked by this and goes that's fucked up that's a real fucked up thing to say Larsa goes, I just mean that you're, like, needy. And Lisa goes, I'm needy? You're fucking needy. (laughs) Lisa was doing such a good job, like, letting it go. Yeah. Like, for, like, four comments in a row, she was just like, okay, bitch. All right, bitch. You're going to shut the fuck up now, right? (laughs) And Larsa goes, you're like a baby. And, and And Lisa goes, and you're like a bully. You're mean. Yeah. And Larsa goes, okay. <laughs> Larsa's is crazy. Absolutely bonkers. Like, how do you, what, I need to, I need to learn how she was raised. Cause like, how do you have this, like such lack of emotional maturity? Like it's, it's uh, makes no sense. They just change the subject. They're like, okay, change the subject. Change it. Like, like we, we see how this is going. Um, Lisa, and they just move on. Lisa goes, let's go for a swim. And Alexia goes, let's play truth or dare. And I dare you to do that. Lisa goes, I would get herpes and like every disease, which at first it's like, okay. Um, I'm going to ignore that. Cause it's like, yeah, it's, I mean like it's a river, like rivers everywhere could carry disease. Fine. Awesome. It's not that it's Mexico city. Cool. Moving on. Um, and Nicole says, I don't know if Lisa knows what STD stands for, but it's sexually transmitted, not swimming transmitted. That was pretty good. That was a good line. Um, Julie and Adriana then kiss, because Julie has to kiss everybody on this episode, apparently. Apparently. Uh, Julie goes, in the lips. <laughs> and then Adriana says, did you kiss Marisol? What? And like she's just shocked by this. Adriana goes, be careful. Martina's going to kick your ass. <laughs> apparently not. Like... They have to have such loose rules in that marriage, like, with everything that's been happening for the last three seasons. It's like, come on. Um, Adriana goes, oh, okay. So, uh, the the river common I could get past. And then it just gets worse. So, then they're, like, they're floating by. And there's, like, on the other side of the river, there's this, like, there's homes, right? But they're, they're, like, the older, like, they're, like, you know. Poor, I don't even know if it's necessarily even poor necessarily, but they're like the ones that are like, it's like shingling. It's not like an extensive house, right? right. It's, like, it's a, like a, it's like a one room house. There's like thatched roofs. They're like 
humble homes. Right. Like, so I used to go to um, Cosmo all the time when I was younger. That was like our family vacation. And we actually made a lot of, like, one of the things my dad always instilled was like making a lot of friends with people. Like, we were friends with like people who worked at like the hotels that we were staying at. Like, um, there was like when we, because we were really young at this point, like they would have like this like kids play sort of like almost like a daycare area. And we befriended the woman who like ran it to the point where like we would literally take time every year to like have a dinner with her, like, you know, in the city and stuff like that and be in their homes. And their homes were much like these homes. They weren't like, you know, but it's not like they were like, it's just that these were, these are what the homes are. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't constitute anything. Right. In many regards. Um, uh, Audrey goes, we could be living in that house over there. Marisol goes, I bet those people feel really grateful for what they have though. And Lisa goes, they're probably happier than all of us here. And Kiki's I, getting annoyed. Well, I mean, <laughs> like some of those comments, I'm like, okay, fine. Oh, oh, that was trying to maybe steer it away from the direction this is going. Maybe. Who knows? It's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure they're happier than all of us here. Yeah, probably, because most of y'all are measurable bitches. Yeah. Like, I... But it's also a buildup of things. that are, Right. Like, it's, it's multiple comments from Lisa particularly. Yeah. That's just, like, really hitting Kiki the wrong way. She's like, I lived like this in Haiti. Like, you yeah. know, this is, like... Not okay, really. Um, Nicole then notes that there's these dogs. She says they're puppies, but they're kind of little larger dogs. These, like, white dogs that are by some of the houses. Um, Larsa then offhandedly says, I know a guy who got bit by a dog, and his balls look like the shape of broccoli. Okay, cool story. Um, but also, like... What is... The, the man's balls, the dog's balls, right, did, what did the did, bite have to do with the balls? Did the dog bite the balls and that's why it became that way? Or did the dog bite the balls because they looked like broccoli? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. Unsolved mysteries. Bars of Pippin. <laughs> and then Lisa goes, Look, they want food. They're asking for food. Can I throw them some food? Alexi's like, no, don't do that. Don't, no, don't do that. Because just generally, you wouldn't throw food at like, you know, like, like strangers' I, dogs. Well, uh, yeah, even if you're on like one of these like gondola or sort of like boat trips, unless the person explicitly says, hey, you can feed the alligators, or you can feed, you don't throw food. Like, right. Th- that's not what you do. And especially these are dogs in, the, like, my thought was, they're dogs in like residential. Right. Like, like they belong, like you don't know. What if you fall short and they jump in the fucking river? Right. That's what I was afraid of. That's what I was expecting to happen. It's like, yeah, it was just. It, it, this is where we were getting privileged because like literally Alexi's like no don't do that no 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 and she just does it and just throws it anyways Alexi even says her friends, like, how would you like it if you were living in your Star Island home and your boat passed by and people threw food by your dogs it's disrespectful and it's rude well even the guy that's steering the gondola was like hey don't do that <laughs> yeah well he has to like he has to be the one to say it before Lisa like stops and David like tells like Alexi like the owners of the dogs feed them also <laughs> like like they were they feed their dogs right and it's kind of like they were acting as though they were like starving and it, they weren't star like they weren't malnourished in any way their fur was right. a little like wet and like sort of like you know they had probably been playing in the water yeah so like what are we doing and but she david says the owners of the dogs feed them also and then lisa goes it's okay it's just chicken it's better than what they get fed i promise you and at this point kiki's fed the fuck up yeah 
Because that is absolutely that, that now it's repeated and now it just keeps, you know. Also, chicken is not rich people food. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and then she, Lisa tries to save it, but it doesn't work. Kiki says their confessional. It's very ignorant that you would assume that these dogs are not eating good because of the way that they're living. Lisa, you don't even feed your dog. Your nanny does that for you. Right. It's like, get her. Um, and I loved Kiki this whole fight, by the way. Kiki, yes. Kiki, Kiki was great. Lisa goes, I promise you they get fed worse. And Kiki goes, come on, Lisa. That's not nice. Lisa goes, they look hungry and they look dirty. Kiki goes, you said they're getting better food than what they normally get. Lisa goes, they get dog food. I'm talking about dog food. No, you're not. No, you're not. Absolutely not. You may think you are, but no, you're not. And Kiki goes, how do you know that? Lisa just stands up and yells, I was trying to help animals because I love animals. (laughs) Which is the weirdest thing to yell in a fight, by the way. Uh, Also, you're basically like walking down these people's neighborhood street and just screaming at their houses. It's embarrassing. It's getting really embarrassing. And Kiki goes, don't get up and scream. You get up and then I'm going to get up and it's going to be something. Lisa then sits up, like makes the point to sit up and like put her hand on her hips. Like I'm getting you by, by you saying, don't sit up. She goes, what are you going to do about it? It's like wrong road, wrong road, Lisa. Kiki goes, sit down, sit down, sit down. And she grabs a juice box. She doesn't throw it even at Lisa. She throws it like towards her. It doesn't hit Lisa at all. Yeah. And it's also a juice box. She's basically saying, and but it's also her saying, like, sit down because, like, like, and, like, you know, how do you like it to be thrown at you? <laughs> In my mind, I like to think she's saying, drink your juice, Shelby, but I don't think that's what she's doing. I don't think Kiki gets that reference. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Kiki goes, you're going to talk to me? Talk to me respectfully. The way Lisa just pauses and goes... You threw something at me. You assaulted me. Oh, come on. And it's like, oh, Karen alert. Karen alert activate. Like, fucking hell. Like, just because Lenny behaves that way does not mean that you need to inflict other people with that same behavior. (laughs) Like, Kiki goes, you're going to talk to me. Don't be standing up. And Lisa goes, shut the fuck up. And Kiki goes, you shut the fuck up. Lisa goes, you shut the fuck up. And Kiki goes, you shut the fuck up. Lisa goes, shut the fuck up. Kiki goes, shut the fuck up. And she stands up to get in Lisa's face. I just like, we had this fight this week on Miami. We had the fight between Janelle and Sandra on Traders, which was very much the same energy. You're the fucking traitor. No, you're the fucking traitor. <laughs> it's... it's Perfect. Uh, it's good. Lisa goes, you assaulted me. And Kiki goes, why do you get up where I'm from? You don't do that. <laughs> like, basically, like, don't step to me. Like, Also, insisting that a black woman assaulted you <laughs> with a juice box. Fuck you. Yeah. And as they're fighting, Marisol just turns to Julian and goes, we should make out. <laughs> Great comedic relief. Lisa goes, you can't throw something at me. That is assault. And Marisol in her confession goes, not the juice box. Juice box always screams assault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gertie's trying to calm her down. She's like, sit down, sit down. And, and Lisa goes, I don't have to sit down. You throw something at me. Don't ever throw something at me again. And Kiki's applauding and going, bravo, Lisa. Keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Larsa in the confessional is basically like, I don't think this has anything to do with Kiki, and I don't think this has anything to do with the dogs. She's losing her mind over the Lenny stuff. And yes, this is compelling. Absolutely. Very astute for Larsa Pippen. <laughs> yeah. At least, and then as they're, Lisa's just like, you assaulted me. You threw something at me. Don't you ever throw. You're not going to throw stuff. And Alexi goes, Lisa, there's kids. There's kids right there in that boat. And they just go, hola. And even Kiki. <laughs> Kiki's so mad and just takes a moment to smile and go, hi. <laughs> they keep trying to reason with Lisa. Just sit down. Like, Lisa, just sit down. Whatever. And she goes, I am fucking rough day i just signed papers to end my marriage pretty much and you're gonna come at me for feeding fucking dogs because i think they're hungry fuck all of you wild it's 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 the rant of the century um larsa goes lisa you're trying kiki to a point where you don't try another woman it's not nice i'm like and then they start fighting then it's larsa and lisa and it's like oh my fucking god and then larsa goes you said shut the fuck up lisa goes yeah shut the fuck up all of you alexia then goes well we could say the same thing about you you keep telling us shut the fuck up we're just trying to help the situation lisa <laughs> like <sighs> and lisa goes i just want off the boat i want off the boat you can't get off the boat it's a fucking like <laughs> Like, we're fully, like, we're gone, girl. Like, it, it, we're way gone. But Lisa then just goes to the end of the boat. And did you know, so she's just starts texting someone. I don't know who. But it's the one where it's like she texts, like, three words, text. No, the three words, text. It's like, the, it's, there's, like, a, a yeah. full page long of text. Like. <laughs> I, I'm not, when I'm angry, I'm doing wall of text. I'm not doing individual little messages. Yeah. Individual little messages is for when I'm joking and, like, or not really paying a lot of attention, I, I would have wrote, like, a novel in one <laughs> message and then hit send. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're very careful with that. Um, the, yeah, and Larsa goes, can we hold hands and say a prayer? Let's go back to where we were in the church. Lisa, hold Julia's hand. And Lisa goes, I'm okay right now. And Larsa goes, Lisa, hold Julia's hand. And she just sits there like a pouting five-year-old it's crazy and adriana leads the prayer and goes lord have mercy on this group we all need help and they're like why are you saying that no don't say it like that like that's not a prayer and then the weather changes and it's like they're like you did this adriana but also that's a totally appropriate prayer because you do all need help right and it's like they're trying to like oh my god they're like whatever I got so, I genuinely got terrified and had a jump scare. Cause I think like Nicole or someone goes, wait, there's a dead guy. And we're like, what? And they, and it looks like someone is hanging from a tree. Yeah. And like, the only way I could tell was the feet. It looked so real. It was, I was like, what the, what the fuck? Like, someone had even put like blood like on its torso. It's like, what in the world? And there's like creepy music. And the way it's shot, it feels like you're like... Watching. It's like, what is this Blair Witch Project? Yeah. And Lars is like, there's a bunch of dead kids too. and, I'm, and But also they're, they're clearly baby dolls. They're not right. real kids. But it's still creepy as fuck. And so what they're pulling up to is apparently something called the Island of the Dolls. And David explained... We thought you were saying it's like a Santeria thing. but it's I like, thought just initially, like if you see an effigy... In a Latin country, it's probably Santeria. Yeah. But it's apparently, he goes, David tells them this story about how it, there was a child that like drowned in the river 
And this person who lived by the river was, like, getting nightmares seeing the child, and it was, like, haunting them. And so they placed a doll by the tree, hung a doll in the tree for the ghost child to play with. And then, like, the guy, like, went crazy, basically, and just kept putting more dolls and more dolls. And it was, and it was like, it wasn't... It wasn't like, oh, that's That's, that's nice. not a cute story. No, it's not at all. Why it's, are we here? And then I got, I went, oh, oh, no, no. Because then they cut to Julia and I was like, no, no. Because <laughs> Julia just had the thing with her oh. son. And I was like, oh, no. And she's crying and free. And she, she's like, having a fucking panic attack. And it was like, no, 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 no. This is terrible. And now Gertie's crying and Alexia's crying because Julia's crying. And she, uh, I, that was the craziest ending to a Housewives episode I've ever seen in my life. I I just it bonkers, absolutely bonkers. No one can top that. Like that that's like insane. No. Oh my god, that was like I said in the beginning, a fucking roller coaster of an episode of Miami. Like honestly, Jesus. All right, let's get into these tops and bottoms. We've got Potomac, we've got Vanderpump, we've got Beverly Hills, we've got Miami. What are you thinking, babe? Um, I'll start with my bottom. I'm going to give it to Lisa Hochstein on Miami. Honestly. It was Lisa's worst episode. And it's like, I can, get, again, I can, I, I'm very sympathetic to the Lenny stuff. And so I give her a pass on sort of a lot of the like more dramatic elements of it. But like the stuff with Kiki at the end was like really a bad look on all regards. And I hope she can look at it as the bad look that it was. But like, man, like I, uh, it was it was it was giving Karen behavior in the yeah. word, in the words of Garzelle. Um not great. Um my top I'm going to give it to Sutton over on Beverly Hills cuz I think this was Sutton's best episode of her entire run on Housewives and I just love the full scale of like what we got to see from her and the development in her character and the ups and downs and sort of like I think people got to see a new side of her that was really vital and I also think it was a side that was necessary to see for her to be such a mainstay now on Beverly Hills. I think yeah. she's going to be up there, hopefully, with, like, the Vanderpumps and the Kyles and the Renas even of just sort of, like, iconic people of yeah. this franchise. And I think this helped that a lot. What about you, babe? What are your tops and bottoms? I'm going to start with my bottom. Um, I'm going to give dishonorable mention to Lenny um, just for being a shitty, shitty person. Also, dishonorable mention to whoever decided to steer that boat near the the effigies. <laughs> like, horrific, whatever that was. Um, but ultimately, I'm going to end up giving it to Schwartz. Because, fuck him. Like, you have to own up to your shit. Like, I, I get that you have been through a lot with Tom over the years. But you got to own your own shit. And you got to own what you did. Yeah. And you've refused to do that with Katie. That's why y'all are not on good terms. You refuse to do that with Ariana. That's why y'all aren't on good terms. And then you just sit here like a wounded puppy, like you're the victim. Fuck you. It's terrible. Fuck you. Um, my top is going to go to Garcelle just because she ex like exudes so much grace that she shouldn't have to extend. And yet she is for the good of the group. Um, and she is just putting up with a lot that she shouldn't have to put up with and giving people a lot of passes. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that leads to better dynamics in the group. But I mean, I've said it before. 
you can't add in a woman of color and expect her to fix problematic people on the cast. Right. You have to fix the problem and then have a space that is safe for her to come into. Um, I think she has been more successful on this cast than, um, say, uh, like Ebony. Ebony was on on Roni before it was canceled. Um, so I just, but it's a very similar situation, right? Um, I think Ebony was a little bit more explicit, right? But I think it's a similar situation, and Garcelle has been put in a situation where she has to fix the problematic people on this cast. Um, I don't think that's necessarily fair to her. Um, but she's doing a damn good job of trying to navigate that. Um, so, I mean, she's, she's doing a lot of work. Um, but of course, of course, in this country, we dump a lot of emotional labor on the black woman. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers, who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.